guys and gals, and welcome back to the We Love Horror podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything horror. I'm Michael, and today I have a very, very special guest, my best friend of 15 years, Kari Hadland. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited that you're here. I mean, it's oh, been me a long too. time in the making, so. Oh, it, it has. <laughs> <laughs> One failed attempt. And... Oh, God. <laughs> And many attempts later, um, yeah. we're finally here. Um, but thank you for coming on. Oh, of course. You know, you know, I'm your biggest fan, right? <laughs> I'm your number one fan. Yeah, I'm your number one fan. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your number one fan. I'm just so obsessed with you. Everything you do. Um, Same. Speaking of, you know, everything you do, do you want to plug in yourself for the listeners for a second? You know, because I know you have a podcast, uh, or not a podcast. <laughs> I was like, I'm am frazzled. I supposed to make one up right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's called, um, I'm not really sure what it's called, but uh, no, you have an Instagram page where you post um, like stuff about books that you've read. So you want to talk yes. a little bit about that? Right um, well, there's not really much to say. Uh, nothing too interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, me and Michael's other friend have an Instagram page. It's called Car and Char's Book Club. And we post book reviews and other bookish things. Yes. And you guys are like on a, you guys are kind of in a competition to see who reads the most books, mm, right? Not anymore. Um, that, oh, that's that was, over? That was a one-year thing. Um, and since I demolished her, she just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, <laughs> she couldn't take it. She couldn't take no, the heat no, to it get just, out of the kitchen. No, we just decided uh, we don't need to be competing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't do that, Kari. Don't get me into that. <laughs> competing. No, no, but yeah, we just take turns back and forth posting book reviews and yeah. Very, very nice. And, and you, you also, would think, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was also just going to say, and you also have a personal Instagram page as well. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if your listeners would be interested because um, they're mostly yeah. horror people. Well, if they want to see a whole lot of ass <laughs> and a whole lot of class, go to Kari's. <laughs> Is that go what to... I'm known for? <laughs> a whole lot of ass and a whole lot of class. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, how I introduce you to people I'm like damn look at that ass she has worked so hard for that ass and you have I mean oh well thank you look at the material <laughs> <laughs> anyway I'm sorry what were you gonna say um something about hell your book. if I know something about your book page oh I was gonna say you'd think with as many books as I have read that I would have read the book that the movie we're talking about is based on but I have not so unfortunately yeah. I thought about reading it just so I could kind of fill you in if there was any things they changed but uh mm -hmm. you know yeah didn't ain't nobody got time for that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I do own it though the book yeah okay well, you'll, have to read, you'll have to read it sometime maybe maybe we can have you come back on and we can talk about the novel adaptation oh yeah Sure. You can do like a compare and contrast type of thing. Yeah. Um, 
but I just want to start by saying I love you very, very much. Uh, we have quite the history together. Um, people don't know this, but I wasn't always Kari's number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I wasn't yours either. <laughs> there was a point in time when we were not each other's number one fans. Yeah, should um, we give a little brief, a brief history for the people just so they just so they know where this banter comes from. Yes. Um, so Kari uh, transferred, Trans- transferred here, all the, <laughs> transferred to Mesquite, Nevada when we were in fifth and sixth grade, yes. all the way from Africa. Welcome. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. She, from Alaska. <laughs> from Alaska. Ketchikan, Alaska, actually. And uh, yeah, that's, that's still so crazy to me that you lived in Alaska for like, <laughs> Till you were what 12 yeah somewhere around there yeah so like half your life up and up, up at that point you'd live well not half. at, your at life, that point i had lived there for my whole life dummy yeah anyway <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh, but yeah no it's just crazy to me that you came from alaska and then you moved all the way to mesquite nevada where it was like the the temperature was quite the opposite oh yeah it couldn't be a bigger change <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we met on the first day of school we did. We had was, two classes in a row together at the end of the day. And I was like, I saw, I met you the first in that first period. And I was like, oh God, now I have another class with this guy. <laughs> is that really what you thought? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's just saying that. <laughs> oh, you kid her. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, long story short, we met. I was really tell your point of view since well, because I, was... I don't remember saying this. Okay. So <laughs> and I and I mean I don't fault Kari for this because there was a moment in time where I was like one of those immature like sixth grade boys that was super fucking annoying. Like I always got in trouble in school for talking so much. Like I still do. I get in if trouble you guys at... can believe that. <laughs> no, obviously not. I'm not a talker <laughs> at all. What are you talking about? Um, but like I don't know. I feel like I just used to pester you. Mm-hmm. Like just me and Jaron Hughes, when me and Jaron Hughes were friends, we used to pester you. And I don't know, like you thought I was really annoying, but I think it was my way of flirting with you because most people don't know this either, but I was infatuated with Kari. I thought she was beautiful. I went home. I went home from school that day after I met her the first day. And I told my mom that I thought she looked like an angel. And I like, I liked her a lot and she broke my heart and I hated her for a really long time. <laughs> Because I wanted to be friends with her, and she was like, "This is what you said. Apparently. I'm not. I'm not making this up. I Allegedly, Al- no, you said it. <laughs> I remember. I promise. I wouldn't make this up. But you said, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not trying to be friends with any boys this year. That was your excuse to not be my friend. But really, it was because I was annoying, huh? Well, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> and so I don't know. For some reason, I just." From like sixth grade all the way till we started high school, we just didn't like each other. I think my no, hatred you for you was didn't a lot like deeper. Me. But... Yeah. I did not hate Michael. <laughs> I just, we just didn't have a friendship. I had no problem with him. Yeah. And we, we like, had I, mutual I didn't even friends know. too. Yeah, we did have mutual friends. And I also did not know you hated me until mm-hmm. eighth grade. No, I don't even know if I knew you hated me until we actually became friends. And you revealed these things to me. <laughs> I revealed that one time I made a joke about poisoning your cookies or something. Cause Charlotte yeah. was talking about us all going on like a double date. And I went with Janelle. 
Rest in <laughs> peace. don't know who Janelle is, but um, yeah, I went on. A, <laughs> we went on a double date, and Kari was gonna come, and I was like, Charlotte was like, "Is it okay if Kari comes?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "I'm gonna bring cookies," and I was like, "Oh well, make sure you poison Kari's first. I was just kidding. I would never do that to anybody. <laughs> but long story short, yeah. Um, it's actually really funny how we became friends too. It's because, very weird. Like it, it, it's it's one of those instances where it's like a series of events that if if one thing would have happened differently, I don't think we would be sitting here with each other today. I really don't. Yeah. So basically, again, long story short, I don't want to use names. You already said Charlotte's name, but we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll, we won't <laughs> we won't use the other person involved's name. So we'll just call him Ted. Okay. <laughs> My best friend Charlotte was talking to Ted, but apparently Ted was texting Charlotte from Michael's phone because mm-hmm. they were neighbors, but we did not know that. So then Charlotte wanted me to text Ted and tell him, I don't even know what, <laughs> wanted me to tell him something. Either she didn't want to talk to him anymore, you know, some immature thing. We're so done. I text the number. And then I get a text like, this is Michael. I was like, oh. And for some reason, ever since then, we just. Like, I can't even explain how we hit it off. We just. I I don't know what we talked about. I have no idea. But then very soon after that, I went over to his house and we hung out after school. And ever since that day, I was at his house pretty much every single day. Yep. Literally, like every single day. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Like, we would get off from school together we would walk to my house we would stay we would play just dance for like hours <laughs> that was the thing we did uh we played just dance like all day like every day and mm-hmm. then your dad would come pick you up what was it like around like 10 o'clock most yeah. nights way too late for us to be up on a school night yeah. but our parents allowed it for some reason um and your dad was super cool about it because sometimes like he would just sit outside in the car <laughs> and wait <laughs> and wait yeah. yeah because sometimes it was hard for us to it was hard really? for us to part it was hard for us to part ways we were like i love you Car- our, our our goodbyes were always like 10 minutes long so <laughs> more on michael's end than mine but yeah <laughs> <laughs> no surprise to anybody that's listening to this i'm sure they can gather that that was probably the case but <laughs> so pretty much any time that you hear michael tell a story about high school and like oh yeah my friend and i or oh i used to make my friend do this or i used to make my friend watch this movie he's talking about me i'm talking about kari <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> yep. She's finally here in the flesh. Sometimes yep. it's hard for me to listen to you tell stories because I feel like you're forgetting something that's like super <laughs> crucial or like actually on your Jaws episode, I remember you told the story about being at the beach. Not that I was there or anything, but about you being at the beach. And I'm like, why would Michael tell this story when he has such a better beach story about when he pulled a woman's top off? <laughs> <laughs> I totally. <laughs> forgot about that that is so embarrassing <laughs> I'm like that's I a remember, way better beach I remember story. it now <laughs> <laughs> oh god I'm like I wish I could just jump in like just pop in to the podcast and just be Here like I am. Um, excuse me <laughs> we could do like we could like set up like a a toll-free line where you just call in like where if I ever <laughs> if start live do, yeah, yeah if I ever start doing live episodes like you could you could just call in and be like um Michael you're forgetting a part of the story don't be like what was that Corey <laughs> I'm, I'm getting I'm getting insight in my earpiece that I'm forgetting something thank you so much Kari <laughs> yeah you should just so be anyway, my do what? what I should be your what you should be my producer oh I don't know about that but <laughs> you're like mm, no so we have a lot of history 
we do we do almost 16 years later and we're still best friends so Mm -hmm. and like I like that our friendship is still the kind of friendship where we don't talk every single day but we still like when we do talk it's literally like we never stopped it's, yeah, for it's sure. such it's such a good friendship and you and I lived together for a little bit that was really fun uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was that was a sarcastic uh-huh or an actual uh-huh. no no that was that was a great time okay <laughs> I was like oh sounded a little uh sarcastic no that was really fun um I feel like we actually surprisingly got along really well together yeah we did like when we lived together like because I'm the kind of person that I used to really like to pester Kari just to, just to pester her. Oh, and not only did we live together, we shared a room. We Let's did. throw that in there. <laughs> we did share a room. And at one point we had three people in the room at the same time. Cause yeah. uh, our other friend lived with us for a little bit too. So that was, it was a full house, but it was a fun time. <clears throat> it was. And I would say you got us into some sticky situations, but yeah. <laughs> if you know which one comes to mind. So what went through your mind? <laughs> How did you know that's actually exactly what I was talking about? Girl. <laughs> well, no, just we're like actually the same when person. I was, when I was watching this movie, we haven't even said what movie we're talking about, but <laughs> I know <laughs> when watching this movie, it just kind of made me think, I am shocked that you have never been kidnapped. I know. I know. Or murdered. Just yeah. But why, but why do you say that though? Fill, because... fill the listeners in on how of a gullible, naive person I am. Well, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've gotten better, but. Oh, you have. You have gotten better, but you're so. Okay, not now. I guess I should say you were so trusting. And it comes from a good place because you just yeah. want to be friends with everybody. Yeah. But I mean, for example, Michael worked at Dollar Tree, met just a random customer, and invited him to our house knowing absolutely nothing about him we went so to school he... together i'd seen him around at school <laughs> but you did not know him <laughs> well, and i thought he was hot so <laughs> well yeah that's why so, <laughs> yeah he could have been a serial killer who knows <laughs> but, but and he wasn't no but he was fucking weird yeah and when i say he wasn't he wasn't hot is what i was saying so... oh well, i thought you were saying he wasn't <laughs> or a serial, serial killer, killer. Well, we don't know like, he could have been because he's yeah. fucking weird but so you know michael comes home and just shares with me oh yeah i met this guy at the store he's coming over i'm like why and was it awkward yes it was insanely awkward because like that that was the weird thing though because it wasn't awkward when we were talking in the store that's the weird thing like it was like he was so gung-ho about coming over and hanging out and then he got there and he acted like he didn't want to be there in hindsight I feel like I fully understand the situation. What do you mean? Because I feel like, okay, so, you know, he came over, we all watched a movie together. Pitch perfect, actually. (laughs) Pitch perfect, yes. He turns (laughs) to Michael in front of me, you know, and just says, so, wait, how did he say it? (laughs) It was just so random because we're just like hanging out. Like, I don't think we were having an awkward time up until that point. Like, he seemed fine. And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, he goes, so like, what were you thinking when you invited me to come over here? No, when you asked me out. Or when you asked me. Oh, yeah. He said, he said, when you asked me out and I said, um, me and Kari kind of looked at each other and I was like, I didn't ask you out. I just asked you to come hang out. And he was See, like, that's um, what I'm saying. In hindsight, I feel like he thought you were 
asking him out on like to come over like as a date and then you bring him over to hang out with me and you and so Heath was probably sitting there the whole time like so I thought that I was gonna be like hooking up with this guy and I thought I was gonna watching... be getting that grade a dick <laughs> <laughs> exactly nope nope Kari's always my plus one she always goes on she's my if you're the person that's sitting next to me on like the on my side of the table that's like writing everything down that the person says and it's like see you're whispering in my ear and you're like see he said that he doesn't like um he doesn't want Taylor kids. Swift Oh yeah, he says he doesn't like Taylor Swift. Um, he also says that uh, um, Justin Bieber is his favorite. <laughs> Next, yeah. Welcome. Have you been um, doing anything or watching anything fun lately? Um, let's see if I watched anything lately. Uh, the last movie I watched before this was um, "Sorry to Bother You." Was it good? Yes, it was it was very satirical and very good. And then I've also been finishing the last season of Atypical. <gasps> I finished it already. I watched half of it and then I'm kind of savoring the last half. Yeah, it I I unfortunately binged it in like two nights and was really sad that I hadn't like let it, you know. And I'm not linger. a big show watcher at all. I would rather watch a movie than a show anytime. But there's just something about that show. It's so comforting. It's so good. So good. That and One Tree Hill, my comfort shows and Dead to Me. <clears throat> my three shows right there. Hill House as well. So four. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you've been watching or? Uh, mostly just reading outside of that. Very That's, nice. Yeah. What have you been reading? Um, oh, it's all over the place. <laughs> um, Nothing too interesting. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I usually read like 10-ish books a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a few thrillers, a few this, a few that, you know, whatever. A little razzle-dazzle here. <laughs> yeah, there, a little exactly. pizzazz on this side. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, I haven't really watched anything since the last time I recorded an episode. Um, I obviously finished Atypical. Um, I'm watching the newest season that is on Paramount Plus of RuPaul's Drag Race, All oh, Stars. Nice. It's pretty good, pretty good. Some stellar queens on this season. <laughs> um, and the lip syncs are not disappointing, so that's good. I need to get um, back into RuPaul. You do, it's really good. I mean, it's gotten to the point for me now, uh, and me and my friend Chris have talked about this, like, cause he's a big RuPaul's Drag Race fan too. And that's kind of how we became friends. Mm -hmm. And we're both kind of just like, we're getting to a point where they're pumping out so many seasons one after the other that it's just like getting, it's too it's, much. It's yeah. getting really tired. And like, we're getting to the point where we're not even as excited as we used to be. Like with these all-star seasons, like they put out a regular season, then all of a sudden an all-star season. And they used to do it like every couple of years mm -hmm. is when they would do the all-star all season. Now. Yeah. And now we're already on all-star six and it's like, Jesus Christ. So, I mean, it's a great show. I recommend it to anybody, but it's like, it, it, it has been getting to a point where it's like, all right. And then well, you get these spinoffs like, that. yeah. They and get, then you they get too, you know, they want to put out too many seasons because they know that people love it, but it's like, but people start to lose interest if they don't have the anticipation of waiting for it. And I think that's the same thing that happened with America's Next Top Model mm -hmm. is like that show had a lot of seasons and it, it ran strong for a while, but it's not doing it anymore. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I really haven't been watching a whole lot. Um, 
I watched A Quiet Place 2 again today. That was fun. I like that movie a lot. Have you seen it yet? No, I have not. Have you seen the first one? No. Oh. <laughs> I want no. to. No, it's, I have it's, not. It's not one that I'm like, oh, I don't even want to see it, but I just haven't watched it. No, I was not. <laughs> and can I just throw in here that I'm not a huge horror person? So. You're not. And unfortunately, being my friend for the past 16 years, you've been forced to watch a lot of movies that you didn't probably didn't want to watch. Uh, that's true. But, but you are a true <laughs> friend and you love me. So you make sacrifices for me and I, I do, make sacrifices for you. I do love thrillers and I do love psychological type of things. I just don't like movies that are... Um, like horror just for, for the sake you get of what I'm trying to say yeah. like like for the sake I don't of shock like gore value. I don't like like I need an actual story to enjoy a movie which made me so proud like I'm still proud of you for going and seeing Evil Dead from 2013 with me I hated it <laughs> <laughs> she hated every minute of it but you know what you went and boring boring <laughs> but you went and See? watched it with me because yeah. you love me yep yep and I appreciate that and I appreciate you and I'm so happy that you're on the show. So are you ready for the We Love Horror three question round? I am. All right. And I will let you ask me the first question since you are the guest of honor today. Okay. Like I told you, I have five. Okay. So let me pick wisely. So, okay. um, and you just let me know if you've already answered one of these. Okay. What is your favorite song that you learned from a horror movie? For example, some that I know that you love are Don't Fear the Reaper and Love Roller Coaster. Girl. I was actually going to say Love Roller Coaster. Either Love Roller Coaster or Love Train, which are both from Final Destination 3. So okay. Love, Love Train plays at the end mm -hmm. during the credits and then Love Roller Coaster plays during the tanning bed scene. Do you hear this, people, folks? <laughs> It's right here. She knows everything about me, basically. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I just know that you often find songs because of movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And, and TV shows. Like a lot of the music that I listen to as well, that's not mostly Taylor Swift, is like <laughs> stuff that I've heard on One Tree Hill because One Tree Hill has some of the best it does music, have great music yeah. of any fucking show I've ever heard. And like I will literally go through, like if I hear a song on an episode, I literally go through and be like, what episode did this song play on? Mm -hmm. And then I'll find it. And then I'll like listen to it on YouTube for days and days until I get sick of it. <laughs> and then I, if, I feel like I do a cycle with it too. Like sometimes I get sick of songs and then I forget about them. And then I can't remember how to find them again because I don't remember what they're called. So I'll do the same thing again and I'll be like, okay. The next time you watch that episode, you're like, oh my God, that song. <laughs> yes, exactly. Great question. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I'm terrified for your questions. Oh, my, my questions are easy. Don't worry. Okay. My first question is, is a would you rather question and it, it pertains to this, the film we're talking about today. Okay. So in the novel, she saws his feet off. She cuts his feet off. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And in the movie, she hobbles his feet is what she calls it. So would you rather have your feet sawed off or would you rather have them hobbled? Um, <laughs> that's actually really tough because I feel like getting your feet sawed off would maybe be less painless less painful is what I meant. Um, <laughs> I don't know, because I feel like you'd start to go numb easier. I don't know. No? I don't know. But at least if you get them hobbled, you still have them. <laughs> That's true. You can still walk on them eventually. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with hobbled. Although that's, mm. oh God, that was the worst scene of the movie for me. It's bad. Yeah. 
I closed my eyes. Did you? I did. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I think I'm going to go with the hobbling as well, just because like you said, we'd still have, we'd still have our legs or our feet. Yeah. So it would just suck not to have, not to be able to walk again, you know? And I feel like it would take longer for someone to saw through your foot. And I just feel like, nope, nope, I'm good. True. Mm -hmm. And it'd be bloody. There'd be a lot of blood. But can't you get like, um, prosthetic feet? Sure you can. I mean, mean, prosthetic feet might look better than feet that are like (laughs) dangling off the side. That's, they're like bent. Yeah. (laughs) A little crooked. I don't know, Michael, that that question was way too hard. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm glad that I could start off with the hard questions first. So (laughs) hit me with your next question. Um, what is your favorite and least favorite subgenre of horror movies? Okay, so I have been asked this question before. Okay. Do you want to ask me a different one? I will. Listener, she came prepared today. She, <laughs> We were talking on the phone before we got on here, and she was like, I came up with five questions, and I know you only do three, <laughs> but I had five just in case you already had answered some of them. And I was like, girl, <laughs> look at you. Stellar. Um, what is your horror movie that you put on when you're in a bad mood? Ooh, I have a couple. So, I mean, do you want to guess? Do you want to take a guess? Because you know me so well. So I kind of want you to guess these, this question. And there's, there's, there's multiple, there's multiple answers. Like there's multiple movies, but you only have to answer one correctly. And I'll tell you okay. if you're right. Um, it's hard because I don't know if you just put on just your favorite, if you're in a bad mood, which I would assume it probably is yeah um well like you said there could be a few uh probably probably the grudge midsummer mm-hmm. um yeah. those would be the two i'd i'd think we're up there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep. uh that one and uh there's another one what is it i just had it in my head like two seconds oh uh jennifer's body oh okay yeah those are probably my three go-to's actually so ding 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 just nailing it with these freaking guessing questions they're not really guessing questions but (laughs) I'm kind of turning it into a guessing question because I'm just like now I want to see how much Kari knows about me um (laughs) good question all right so my next question is if you were trapped in a cabin with Annie Wilkes and you were forced to write a novel what and it could be any novel about anything what kind of novel would you write and I, I, I pertain this, or I specifically asked this question for you because I know how much you love books. And I was actually saying how, like, I was actually thinking how funny it is that we're doing a movie that's like based on a book where he's yeah. a writer. Cause I was like, oh, that's just perfect. Um, and although I love to read, I am definitely not a writer. Um, so just to clarify, um, <laughs> am I trying to write a book that Annie would love? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, just saying like in the book. context. Okay. Yeah. If she, if she was like, you have to stay here till you write because she's real picky yeah she's real nitpicky (laughs) um although I'm not a writer I have thought of like a couple little ideas here and there that okay like oh maybe I would write a book like this one day you know Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go into detail so (laughs) let's just say I would write a short story thriller do you want me to go into what it's about yeah, you could like give us like a like a what like it a has freeze. to do, what the idea had to do with was a woman driving across the country listening to a radio show 
and then you know that she I feel so weird telling this um okay sure you know that she um is going after a man but you don't know why or who and like as she's driving she's listening to this radio show and then in the end you find out it's that guy that hosts the radio show but there's a lot more to it that would make it not as obvious do you want to write a script with me about this idea (laughs) I kind of like where it's going yeah I could give you more details about it okay yeah you want to work that in the future (laughs) put that in the put that in the um later box because I actually that's kind of a I kind of like the brief idea of that yeah there's a lot more to it but yeah very nice all right Kari hit me with your last question how do I decide (laughs) um okay what is the best movie theater experience you have had as in best movie you have seen in the movie theater oh okay so, and this is actually really weird because I've always hated going and seeing the movie, going to the movies by myself because I always felt like such a loser after, like when I would go by myself because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I have no friends. When I went and saw, um, um, oh my God, that John Cho movie. The one, the one where it's over like the internet, the one that I showed you. Oh, Searching. Searching. That, I can't, I don't know why. But like, I even texted you, I think, or I called you after I got done watching that movie. And I was like, I need to do, I need to talk about this movie right now. (laughs) Like, I need to talk to somebody about this movie because that, I don't know why. And maybe it was because I went by myself and I wasn't distracted by anyone else around me. Yeah. That movie, like, honestly, like moved me so much. That movie had me at the edge of my seat. And at that point in time, like that movie, that movie's only like three years old now. It came out in like 2018. Mm -hmm. And like, obviously I'm not, I'm no stranger to the horror genre. Like I've been introduced to it for a long time. So like for a movie like that to surprise me as much as it did, like as many twists and turns as it did. And it was still keeping me guessing the whole time. Like that was just an experience for me. So definitely when I went and saw searching, like I felt so many different things when I watched that movie and I don't know, it was just, I really liked it. See, that's like the kind of, you know, thrillery type of story that I like. And you know, it's interesting that my answer for this question would be a scary movie. Ooh, what's yours? And it's a movie that you don't love, but is Get Out. That was the abs. If I could re-experience going to see Get Out in movie theaters, I talk about this all the time. It was such an amazing experience. Yeah, it really was. So, yeah. and and I do want to preface to the listeners: I don't <laughs> not like Get Out. I just well, it just wouldn't be your favorite. It, yeah, and it's not my favorite. Um, I kind of prefer Us over Get Out. Uh, but like, I do like the concept of get out, but I did find some things kind of predictable. Like I predicted certain things toward the end. And I feel like the story had kind of already been done before in another movie called the skeleton key. And I kind of feel like they did it better in my opinion. That's interesting. That's interesting and wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's my opinion, but you're still wrong. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) hit me with your last question. So this is a question that I usually ask quite often with people, but for this one, since you aren't quite a horror fan, Kari, I wanted to ask you this question because I'm not really sure what the answer to this question would be. Like, I know you really well, but like, I know that the horror genre is not your thing. Mm -hmm. So if you were trapped on a desert island and Mm -hmm. you could bring five horror movies with you, what five horror movies would you bring? Get Out. Okay. Rosemary's Baby. Ooh, okay. Uh, the Shining. 
I love you. <laughs> um, the gift. The one from 2015. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie so much. I absolutely love that movie. And I feel like it's very underrated. So perhaps we should do that in the future. Yes. Um, and, oh, I'm deciding. Ooh, that's tough. That was four, right? Yeah. Um, mm, I feel like I'm missing something really important. I don't know. Maybe Disturbia because I, you know. That's a feel good movie. I just, yeah, it's just a classic for me. But like so I said, nostalgic. I feel like there's something, something I'm missing, but we'll go with that. Okay. Good choices. Good choices. <laughs> I wasn't expecting Rosemary's Baby to be on there. Um, I love that movie. Or The Gift. So that surprised me a little bit. I was <laughs> expecting The Shining, but then I wasn't sure because I was like, I love The Shining. I don't know how much Kari loves it, especially since she had to watch it so many times with me when we were growing up. Like, yeah, holy fuck, I, I think like that I like was it. the. Or I feel like I would bring that just because it's. Um... I don't know, it's, it's a really, winter theme it, horror yeah film. <laughs> well and it's like it's really long and I feel like you can just I, I don't know like it's not just like a short choppy bloody movie it's like a like you could actually pay attention to everything that's I don't know how to explain what I'm saying I get what you're saying it's very <laughs> tension built it's yeah really it's light. just there's a lot a lot to it there really is yeah no which is i didn't pick anything like <laughs> halloween nightmare on elm street like nothing at all sorry yeah, that's okay that's that's the fun of it because i love it <laughs> when people come up with like more underappreciated picks because it's like i feel like the the go-to's are those kind of movies so when people True. don't don't do that it's it, it makes them for a more interesting conversation so um, that's why a lot of the times i use that question because everybody's answer is always different yeah so like, that's a fun sure. one for me to ask and unpopular opinion i did rewatch the original nightmare on elm street a few months ago and i hated it <laughs> 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 i hadn't seen it since i was a kid so it's terrible anyway <laughs> <laughs> it has its moments and I can appreciate it for what it is like for the time that it came out it was probably absolutely terrifying I think it's not it hasn't held up quite as well but exactly. I don't think when like I was a kid most... it was creepy but but yeah. I don't think it's like the most horrible horror movie ever made either so oh, yeah I mean there's there's plenty <laughs> there's worse <laughs> all so, right I can tell Kari is just gnawing at the bit to get into this film discussion she is so impatient she's just like let's do it so <laughs> what film are we talking about today Kari we are talking about misery and would you like to read the synopsis for the listeners oh I don't have it <laughs> <laughs> misprepared is not so prepared right all now. right I don't have the outline opened My that's bad. okay I can read it if you want me to go for it okay after a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. Perfect reading. Thank you. <laughs> um, it has a really high IMDb rating of 7.8 out of 10. That's, I mean, well-deserved though for this film, honestly. Uh, it was directed by Rob Rainier. Also noted, he's known for a few stand out he's movie. a big director yeah. oh yeah stand by me the princess bride when harry met sally the bucket list those are the ones that i have him down for he's done a lot more stuff uh oh, he's done a lot time. of television stuff too um 
and his he's also an actor as well he's in a lot of stuff as an actor uh he's in wolf of wall street which is one of my actually i just watched that movie today too wolf of wall street yeah (laughs) i fucking love that movie uh sleepless in seattle 11 episodes of new girl and three episodes of hollywood which Hmm. was also a very good show did you watch hollywood no but i kind of want to so good i started watching it because the queen samara weaving is in it and i watch anything that she's in um i started watching it for her but then i actually really got invested in the show in general so um it's based off the novel written by stephen king of the same name uh the screenplay was written by william goldman and he's done quite a few things as well he's written butch cassidy and the sundance kid which is a really old movie that was like a 50s or 60s movie uh the original stepford wives not the remake with um what's her name Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, you thank you. Um, Marathon Man, All the President's Men, and The Princess Bride. Uh, it stars James Kahn as Paul Kahn. Is that how you say it? That's how I've and always said Kahn. it. Uh, he's most known for The Godfather Part 1 and 2. Uh, he voices a character on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1 and 2. And then the other movies that he was in, I didn't really know a whole lot about. Oh, so. what I know him from is Elf oh he is in that too Mm -hmm. yeah that's like literally the only other thing i know him from kathy bates however (laughs) i know her from a lot (laughs) me as Uh, well yeah kathy bates plays annie wilkes and she's in fried green tomatoes uh one of my favorite characters uh she portrays molly brown in the my favorite film of all time Mm -hmm. titanic uh she's in the water boy she's in my sister's keeper little black book failure to launch p.s i love you the Blind Side, Valentine's Day, eight episodes of The Office, 58 episodes of American Horror Story, and last but not least, I think her best role in movie cinema history 1,000% agree. The Squirrel Lady from Rat Race. <laughs> As I was watching Misery, I was thinking, you know, she is amazing in this movie, but nothing nothing beats her role as the Squirrel Lady in Rat Race. <laughs> she, oh my god. That part just has a place in my heart that will never go away. Well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Vera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't talking to you. Now was I? I was talking to Vera. (laughs) Oh, and this one just, uh, what did she say about the one with the cheeks or something? This one just has the Excuse me. Can you just They make Cracker Jack pets. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's such a small part, but it's so great. She like her and um, Amy Smart make that fucking movie for me because yeah. the scene with Amy Smart where she's in the helicopter, <laughs> so fucking funny. One of mine and Michael's many movies that we would get into um, binge watching, and we would quote incessantly to each other all the time. Watch yeah. every single day. <laughs> yep, I'm winning. I'm winning. It's a race. It's a race. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm gonna get too uh, caught off guard here. Um, <laughs> Rain it back in. All right, uh, Richard Farnsworth as Buster, and the only thing I have him down for is Lassie, but he's been in the film industry for a long time. He's been around since like the 30s. Like the first oh, movie okay. he was ever in, it was like from like 1934 or something. So like, I believe damn. it. Yeah, I was like, damn, this guy's been around a long time. Uh, Frances Sternhagen is Virginia, and she's in seven episodes of Golden Years, seven episodes of Cheers, 10 episodes of Sex and the City, 21 episodes of ER, and she's in The Mist, I think is the remake. Hmm. So, um, it was made with a budget of $20 million. The opening weekend 
was only $10 million. So it didn't do too well on its first opening weekend. That but surprises me. I know. But the ultimate gross, like in the US and Canada, was $61.2 million, So it definitely made its money back. And especially the- because this movie has so few characters and so few settings that I would think that it would have been really cheap to make. Well, it was, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. But like, yeah, I would think it would have been even cheaper than that. Well, back in the 90s, 20 million sounds like a lot, though. Yeah, exactly. Like now, and now, nowadays, it doesn't sound like a lot at all. It sounds like pocket change compared to like some of these <laughs> movies that are being made for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, like for for 1990, that was kind of expensive, in my opinion. And for how there's not much to this movie. Yeah, exactly. And then I have some fun facts here. Okay. That I wanted to read off. So James Kahn once showed up to the set hungover. And all of the scenes he shot that day were unusable. Rob Rayner told Khan he had to do the scenes again because there was a problem at the lab. When Khan learned it had nothing to do with labs, he offered to cover the money he lost the studio, which is really nice. Like, it is. But I feel like I would be that kind of director too. Like, I know that when you're a director, you really have to stand your ground and like really, you know, be on top of it. But like, it seems like Rob Rainier was a nice guy and was like, I don't want to like make him make feel, him feel like bad. Was, <laughs> I feel like that would be me too. But like also James Conn was so, or yeah, James Conn was so nice about it. Like he's just like, I'll just recompensate you, which is yeah. really cool. But I just thought that fact was kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson was offered the role of Paul Sheldon, but passed because he was not sure he wanted to do another movie based on, an, on one of Stephen King's novels after what he had experienced with Stanley Kubrick on The Shining, which I don't blame him <laughs> at all. And probably because but, he knew Stephen King hated The Shining. He's like, I don't want to disappoint him again. Well, not to mention that Stanley Kubrick's a fucking piece like, of shit. Okay, not I just a piece. Back. Of- <laughs> I don't take that back. I don't know if he's a piece of shit, but based on things with The Shining. Well, the way he treated Shelley Duvall, yeah, yeah, that makes him a piece of shit. But like, I'm just talking more so like he's kind of uh, a slave driver when it comes to like filmmaking. Yeah. Like the amount of takes that he does over and over and over again. Like I would not want to work with him again either. Like, although <laughs> this movie was not directed by him, so I don't know why he was worried about that. I know. <laughs> maybe just like uh post post-traumatic stress disorder or something i, I can't know. really see him as this role though me either because he, he's a little too animated and he's a little too maniacal like he's too <laughs> much of a character yeah like sense. exactly like like paul paul john is that his name? <laughs> james james <laughs> <laughs> we're just going through all the bible bible verses today <laughs> You forgot Hiram. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, <laughs> uh, <Jacob>. James. <laughs> James Kahn. He's like a very, he just looks like an everyday kind of guy. Whereas... He's hot in this movie too. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about him. I don't know. I don't know. Jack Nicholson would have just been a little too much, I think. I agree. I agree. I don't think he would have been able to bring like the subtlety to the character that James yeah. Kahn brings. Um same with Kathy Bates. I don't think Kathy Bates could be replaced by anybody. No. Because she is absolutely, and we'll get into this later, she is absolutely flawless in this movie. I There's nothing wrong with her performance at all. Like, she is perfection in this movie from beginning to end, and I just adore her in this movie, even though she's a psychopath. But I, I love her. <laughs> um, but uh, James Kahn and Kathy Bates clashed over their acting methods. Kahn believed in as little rehearsal as possible. Bates, with her theater background, was used to practicing a lot. When she commented to Rob Rainier that Khan was not attempting to relate or listen to her, Rainer told her to use that frustration toward her character, which is interesting. So, yeah, I wonder if that means that they didn't get along. 
Probably not. See, because like, I feel like I would be the same as Kathy Bates. I mean, I don't have a theater background, but I'm the kind of person that's always wanting to like, make sure that everything is like perfect. So I would be mm-hmm. the one that was sitting there, like making sure that my lines are memorized, like making sure that I hit my marks, like all that stuff. And like to work with somebody like that would drive me absolutely insane. And even it worse really that would. they're pretty much in every single scene together and it's only them. Yeah. So yeah. if they that didn't get along, uh, <laughs> drive me absolutely insane (laughs) um so the day after kathy bates won the oscar for her role in misery she filmed a scene with alec baldwin where fans asked for their autographs kathy bates later walked her dog and forgot to bring a cleanup bag and wound up using a fan's discarded autograph she found on the ground instead (laughs) this is funny (laughs) i thought that was kind of a funny one um, and then the last one I have is in 1991, Kathy Bates became the first woman to win an Oscar for Best Actress in a Horror or Thriller Film. The, pers- the first performer to win an Oscar for a horror film was Frederick March for his performance as the title character in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1931. The only other winners for acting in a horror film were Ruth Gordon for her performance as Mia Farrow's new neighbor with a hidden agenda in Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role... Uh, for the best actress in a supporting role. That's what she won that for. Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster for best actor and best actress in Silence of the Lambs and Natalie Portman for best actress in Black Swan, which well-deserved on all ends. Yeah, I was going to say all of those are very well-deserved. But yeah, I mean, that's all I have for like fun facts and all that stuff. So without- So if anybody's still listening, we'll get into (laughs) (laughs) it. Hey, you know what? I think this is a fun conversation. I I hope people are still sticking around, but you know. Anyway, so are you ready to get into this discussion? I am. All right. So it like basically just opens up with Paul and he's finishing his late, like he's typing up the last words of his novel on his typewriter. Question, was this movie supposed to be set in 1990? (sighs) That's a question I had too, because I thought it took place more like in the 60s. I mean, it seems like it should be older because why are you using a typewriter? Maybe that's just something that like writers like to use. I mean, I guess it just seems like it would take forever. I, I just couldn't figure that out if this movie was supposed to be set back in time or not. Like I have a friend that writes short stories and he prefers to use a typewriter just because he's kind of like an old soul. And he's like, there's just something, there's something about using a typewriter that I like. Well, and I'm like, more power to you. Yeah, whatever floats It would be boat. frustrating for me to fucking use a typewriter. Let me tell you <laughs> that much. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so he finishes it and uh, he like signs his name to the bottom of it. He puts it in his like little leather satchel thing and he like pops a bottle of champagne and lights up a cigarette. And it's, it's said later on that that's kind of like something he does after he finishes a ritual, mm -hmm, like a ritual that he does. He lights a cigarette, um, all that stuff. And you can tell he's over it. Like he's, yeah, he's like ready to be done. Yeah. Cause and he like, and it's the fact that he doesn't even know what to call this novel yet that he like, you can tell he's done. Like, cause it's like when you find out that this is like another a series or another book in the series of misery um, novels like you would think that he'd have a name or if he yeah. was at least inspired in some way shape or form like he would have at least had a name um but he doesn't even have a name so that really goes to show how much he actually doesn't care yeah, <laughs> about he's the- just overwriting about her and just done exactly um and so then he goes outside to his car and i love how he just like randomly just picks up a snowball, a snowball and just throws it at the tree and he's like still got it <laughs> <laughs> just like that still got it just kidding he doesn't do that little move but um but I noticed like I'm just like he's driving really fast for it being mm-hmm. like as bad of weather he literally as- can't see shit I'm like why are you still going 
And if you can't see shit, why are you still going like 25 miles an hour? Like <laughs> I drove through, like I drove through a blizzard once when I was living in Kansas. It was the most fucking terrifying thing in my life. Yeah. I literally drove like two miles an hour the whole way home. It took me th- almost three hours to get home. Cause that's yeah, how and he's in I- Colorado, like these windy roads, like, no, thank you. Yeah. It was scary. So like, I don't understand why he's driving so fast, first of all. <laughs> And that car doesn't even look like it can handle the road. It definitely does not have off-road cruise control or whatever the fuck it's. <laughs> four-wheel winter, drive. Winter tire. Yeah, four-wheel drive. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, so like the snow just keeps falling and falling and falling. And he finally just loses control and just like rolls off the road. And then I like how we kind of cut back to like this little flashback of him mm-hmm. talking to his agent, Marsha. And they're talking. They're kind of talking about his leather bag and how he used it when he wrote his first novel and they they're kind of talking about like how misery started his career and helped his daughter go to college and stuff like this but you can definitely tell he's like trying to talk his agent out because his agent is like yeah we can make more like it's almost like she's trying to encourage him to keep writing yeah it's like oh these are these books are working out for you so keep going and he's just kind of like no I just I'm over it like he's like I don't even really like you can tell at this point he's like I don't even really care about the success anymore you know, mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, he, he's, he wants to leave for Colorado to write a new book. And he's like, and if it works, he's like, I might have something to write on my tombstone. Mm-hmm. And, and I love how there, there are some like subtle comedic moments in this film, because like, as soon as he says that it cuts back to him, and yeah. he's hanging upside down in the car. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing he sees is his leather satchel as a reminder of like his past words that he just mm-hmm. said. And he ends up like losing consciousness. And then this is when you see like someone use a crowbar to get into the car and they drag him out. And they use CPR and kind of, is he like dead? Or is he just well, passed out? I mean, obviously he's not dead. Yeah, but she's like using CPR and then he com- comes back to life or something, it seemed like to me. So I was confused. Yeah, I mean, that. he's probably just, I don't know, unconscious in some way. Yeah. Um, so then like whoever this person is, which I'm like, I'm sorry. There's no fucking way you're carrying this grown man up a hill in the mm-hmm. middle of a blizzard with snow that's like 10 feet deep there's no way no, there's <laughs> but not. i digress that's i mean that's not even i mean she just, is a tough bitch she is she's 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 definitely uh tammy curry <laughs> <laughs> don't get started <laughs> i'm just just pointing that out she's a tammy curry for sure, for sure. <laughs> she was definitely a uh, leader of the sisterhood gun club in her <laughs> at her high school for sure <laughs> um but uh yeah, so then we, uh, yeah, so he wakes up and you can kind of hear like Annie's distorted voice and she's like, I'm your biggest fan. I'm your number one. <laughs> she wakes up and she's like, I'm your number one fan. And uh, she starts talking about like how much she's she like loves him and his books and stuff like that. And he's asking how long he's been there. And she's like, oh, you've been here for two days. And she's like, I'm a nurse. I can take care of you, bloody bloody. She's like, how fortunate of you to come <laughs> to that I'm you a nurse found, that I know. found you. Yeah. <laughs> and then he asks her, he's why, like, no offense, why am I not in a hospital? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, uh, because the blizzard was like really bad and the phone lines are down. And um, she's like giving him pain pills for his pain. And I love how in this scene she's like talking about how proud she is of the work she did on his I legs. I love that too. She's like, and I just wanted to say I'm so proud of the work that I did on your legs. And you're like, you show and his legs look so <laughs> fucked up they do uh, like they're all bruised and swollen and purple and just nasty looking mm-hmm. and um then it uh cuts back to Marsha, 
and she's on the phone with Buster because he's like the sheriff of the town. Yeah, that, so we meet Buster. Yeah, we meet Buster. And I love the I love the little moments that him and his wife have. Oh, me too. All their little banter. <laughs> they're so funny in this film. Like they're they're little moments, but they really give them character. Mm-hmm. And so like when a scene happens later on, it's actually really sad. It is. And also that you don't really get well, we'll get to it, but whatever. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, don't forget that point. Bring yeah. it up later. Um, but yeah, she's she's saying that she, you know, hasn't heard from Paul, like her his daughter hasn't heard from Paul, and that he usually calls as soon as he finishes a novel, you know, to talk about it. And uh he uh he's like, Well, I love how Virginia walks in and he's like, We got a we got a telephone call today, and she's like, Ooh, busy. He's like, Yeah, <laughs> so busy. And then he's like, When did the blizzard hap- blizzard happen? And she was like, I think it was last when is it Wednesday or Thursday? I think I it's can't Wednesday. remember what day it was, but Oh, t- I think it was Tuesday, actually. Um, he's like, I already got the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like from the done. very beginning, even if he doesn't really know what's going on, he's like, hmm. Yeah. Well, and I also wanted to talk about how like smart and proactive his character is like going oh, forward he is. in this film. Like he's so like, and I love the ways, I love the ways that he like puts two and two together and it feels very plausible that he comes to this conclusion. Um, but we'll get to that later. But um <laughs> Uh, then it cuts back to Annie and she's like shaving Paul's face. And she talks about how she's like, sometimes I used to just sit outside in your cabin and look up at the light and just imagine what was going on in the room with the world's most famous writer. <laughs> I know. And it's kind of like, so she's been stalking him all this time. And it's yeah. like, I'm surprised she didn't just already kidnap him in some way before this. I know. You know what I mean? Like she... She waited until something actually happened to him. I'm surprised she didn't make something happen. You know what I mean? Well, well, I have a theory with that because I don't feel like Annie like fully planned on keeping him there against his will the whole time at first. Mm -hmm. But I think what really set her off was when she read like the ending of his novel. And Mm -hmm. then then that's when it like- That's when she snapped. That's when she snapped and like something in her brain was like, no, like he's not, he's not leaving. You're not not leaving. leaving. (laughs) You're not. oh god um (laughs) but yeah she's like she's like yeah I followed you from the lodge and I I was wondering in my head like why anyone would drive in such a such a blizzard as it was and uh she's like I just love your book I just she's like I have all of the books I every time she talks about how like every time she sees like a new copy or something she just has to scoop it right up (laughs) (laughs) and he asks about the phone again and uh she says that he, and then he asks if like if he gives her his daughter's number if she'll try to get in touch with her and let her know that he's okay because it's her it's her birthday like it's her birthday coming up and um and then it uh she asks if she can read the new book because he talks about how he has like a new novel mm-hmm. and she's like oh, can I read it <laughs> and he says I don't know if this was in response to that, but when he says, anyone who saves me from freezing to death in a car wreck, and she goes, me? <laughs> like, she's shocked that it's her. Me? Oh, <laughs> I love it. I just love how, like, over the top her character is, too. I know. Very... <gasps> me? <laughs> but it's so good. Like, her, uh, she's just, she's she embodies this whole role. So she gets, like, all excited about the new book, and she, like, is this the part? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> there's a part that makes me laugh so hard that's coming up soon but uh then it cuts back to buster and he's at the silver creek lodge where uh paul was last seen 
and he's talking to the owner and the owner's like, you know, they're like going through the guest log and stuff. And he's like, yeah, he checked out last Tuesday. And he's like, you know, he's probably just getting into New York right now. I'm sure everything's fine. And then <clears throat> Buster always plays along, but you know, in his head, he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but I love that about his character. He doesn't just see everything at face value. He's like, no, there's more to this and I need to like invest. And he doesn't let on to other people what he's doing. Yeah. Which I love the fact that he is such, he, he is essentially a side character. Like he's not in this movie a whole lot, no. but like the, the character that he brings to this role and like the proactive nature of his character really makes him memorable in this film. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I love that whole aspect of it. And I, I'm curious about how much he's in the book compared to the movie. I don't know. Maybe he's in the book more. Yeah. I don't know. Less. I wish I would have read the book, but ain't nobody got time for that. So, <laughs> um, but uh, so this next scene is fucking is great. To me. It's so great because <laughs> Annie's feeding, she's feeding him like tomato soup and she's talking about how she's like 40 pages into the book. And he's like, well, do you have any criticisms? criticisms? And she's like, the swearing, Paul. <laughs> she's like, it has no nobility. And he's like, but they're slum kids. I was a slum kid. And then that's, that's, how just we talk. When she, that's when she just fucking goes nuts. She She's says like, a lot of um she 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 hates swearing, but she goes on to say quite a few words such as bitchly and Christly. And I thought those were some good ones that I'll be adding to my vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, she goes, she's like fucking like she and that's like that's another thing I love about Kathy Bates' character is because she can so subtly with the flip of a switch, like just fucking be like the sweetest caring person in the world. And all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, she transitions into this fucking like psychopath. I feel like that is a, that is a form of acting that is so difficult for so many people. Mm-hmm. To do. Like just to like subtly turn on that switch without it being too like over the top or too like obvious. Unbelievable. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. She, she really nails it with this performance because and she does it quite a few times in this movie. And like each time that she does it, I feel like she does it a little bit differently each time. Like yeah. every freak out that she has isn't the same as the last. So that's something to be like praised for as well. It's just mm-hmm. oh, so good. And then she accidentally spills some of it on the bed. She's like, now look what you made me do. <laughs> and then she's like immediately apologetic. She's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, I just, she's like, I love you, Paul. <laughs> and then she's like, well, what I mean is that I, I love your mind and your creativity. <laughs> and then like this is the moment where you start to see Paul like she's he's like oh crazy I'm in fear for my life <laughs> yeah but I love I love how Paul as well is so like good at he keeps his cool yeah he keeps his cool I mean he does have a couple of moments where he lashes out at her but then he like realizes oh nope I better rein also it back his in because... legs don't work so he knows he doesn't have a lot of options <laughs> exactly yeah um and then this is when uh, Buster's driving along the same road that Paul was and him and Virginia are trying to like look for the car. And he's trying to how- look and Virginia's trying to get frisky. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to get frisky, which I love that because it's like you don't see a whole lot of elderly couples act that way in <laughs> film and TV. So it's like it, it's really nice to see that they still got the, you know, the romance flowing in their relationship after how many <laughs> years of marriage. I think that's really nice. I thought that was like a nice little touch. <laughs> and uh, he, told he her- rejects her. Yeah, he rejects her advances because he's like, when you're when you're with me, you're not my wife. You're my uh, <laughs> you're my deputy. Yeah, you're my deputy. And then he's like, <laughs> he tells her to stop because he sees like a broken limb. And uh, 
that's just why I, another another reason why I love his character because I just feel like any other normal person would just see that and be like oh it's just a broken limb what's the big deal yeah like oh there was a storm like of course there would be a broken limb yeah and that's even what Virginia says Virginia's like well, maybe the snow fell on it and bent it over or something and so he like ends up climbing down the hill and <laughs> he ends up like tripping and falling and Virginia's like do you need any help and he's like I don't need any help he's like I'm having a great time <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like I'm enjoying myself <laughs> And he just barely, barely misses Paul's car. And that's like one thing that I always hate in movies. But you have to do things like that. I unfortunately. know. But it's just like, uh, if you would have just stepped yeah. like 10, 10 feet closer, you would have <laughs> saw the tire. God damn it. God damn it, Buster. For how for how uh, observant you are, you certainly missed the ball on that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love how they're getting back in the car and Annie just happens to pass them going mm-hmm. back to her house. Um, and, uh, Paul wakes up as Annie, she's entering the room and she's holding Paul's book. And she's like talking about how she went to talk to the doctor in town and he'll send an ambulance when the, when the blizzard's over, which in my opinion, like, wouldn't Paul be able to just look outside and be like, it's not really snowing. <laughs> Cause it's not really I, snowing I mean, at that point. I didn't like, even think of that, but yeah, like, it's like sunny and like really nice outside when Buster goes down to check the car. Like it's like, it's not snowing. And obviously point things would be melting enough that the roads would be open and that's you know she's trying to tell him something and Paul's just like okay so the roads are open like he's like I don't care what you're telling me like the roads are open and she's like oh um you know she's got these string of lies prepared yep Yep. (laughs) and like that's just that just goes to show you how fucking just crazy she is because she just has a reason for everything yeah because then she even says she made a phone call and he's like oh so the phone's working and she's already ready with the oh well the phone was working there but you know (laughs) yeah which also leads me to believe that maybe she did have this plan in motion this whole time yeah because it's like i know i said at the start that like maybe she didn't realize that she wanted to keep him here up until the novel thing. But now, now that we're saying that, now that we're like kind of talking about it more and putting those pieces together, I think honestly, she, this was premeditated and she's been planning this for a very, very long time. Yeah. I mean, she got very lucky that he, that he like drove off the road, like he lost control and drove off the road, but it's not like she ran him off the road or anything. Right. I don't know. Which I feel like would have made more sense if there was, a way like, that she had caused this to happen like if we were going to go with the more premeditated route yeah yeah i mean it seems very coincidental yeah that she i, I know she says that she was always watching him but it's like so you just followed him and he happened to run off the road i mean what are the odds right but yeah. you know anyway. it's a movie <laughs> yeah well that's just nitpicky stuff at this <laughs> point <laughs> But uh, she like brings him in scrambled eggs and she's like, I'm on page 75. And he's like, how is it? And she's like, oh, Paul. She always says, she's always like, oh, Paul, it's perfect. A perfect, perfect thing. <laughs> and what a poet you are. Yeah. What a poet you are, Paul. <laughs> how was my impression of her? Is it good? It is good. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> and then like, next thing you know, like the Paul, the door to Paul's room opens again and a pig comes walking in <laughs> and she's like, this is my sow misery. And she's like, I, I was so lonely on the farm, but when I got misery, everything changed. And she's like, now I'm on page 300. <laughs> and now, and oh, now the book has gone from being perfect to, to divine. divine. And then she's like, the Sistine, she's like, what is that chapel called? He's like, the Sistine Chapel. She's like, that. She's like, the Sistine Chapel and Misery's Child are the only two divine things in this world. 
and then um you get like that scene where she's kind of talking about she's like looking out at the, like, the pasture in the farm and she's like when my husband she's like when my husband left me I wasn't prepared and then she that she might go crazy and she talks about how she dove into her work and did a lot of reading and this is how you get the backstory of how she became acquainted with these books because she's like that's when she discovered misery mm-hmm. and <laughs> the scene is so fucking funny because he ends up pulling like the pee bottle out because he was peeing the whole time and he's like I'm done and so he, she, she takes it from him but she's still staring Just there she continues she's, holding it <laughs> she's talking about like the institution of marriage she's like don't get me wrong it's not that I don't agree with it it's just like people's idea of of marriage is just I don't remember what she what exactly something about it being she's ridiculous like, I would need a I would need a special guy to get married again holding the pee in her hand and she's like shaking it she's yeah. like moving it back and forth and she's like <laughs> oh my god and uh yeah so then she ends up walking out of the room and then the next scene is when shit just goes from she is not happy no she's not She finished and she is not a happy camper (laughs) this is when you fully see like the scope of how psychotic she is because paul wakes up in the middle of the night to annie and she's like standing by his bed and she starts yelling at him you she's like dirty bird that's what she called <laughs> yep she's like you're you're a lying dirty birdie <laughs> and it's i like think dirty bird and then it's dirty birdie <laughs> yeah because she starts like slamming the bed up and down she's like you murdered you killed her you killed my misery <laughs> no she's i like, didn't who did <laughs> yes, who was it <laughs> and he's like she just slipped away oh god she's like and then she's like as she's like throw she like picks up the end table and she's like about to slam it down on him and she just throws it against the wall instead and she's like i don't think i should i don't think you should or i don't think i should talk to you for a while you're a lying dirty birdie and i don't want to talk to you it's like like no problem with me (laughs) and then she's like oh and this is when you find out that she's like and don't even think about anyone coming for you because i didn't actually call anyone no one knows you're here and then she's like and you should consider yourself lucky because if I die, you die. And then she like leaves the room. And it's like, I kind of wonder if Paul had fully believed her up to this point or if he was already kind of, you know, obviously she has made it really well known that she was stalking him. So it's like, how is he not already thinking, um, this lady might be trying to keep me hostage? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think the circumstances of just, you know, but like I said, like all he would have to do is look out the window and see that it's not a blizzard. But I mean, the circumstances are realistic enough that maybe the roads aren't clear enough yet like yeah. because of the snow and stuff. So like, I get, I, it's believable to think that he would, you know, believe her story at the beginning, you know? And I mean, she hasn't given him any, any reason at first. I mean, she is kind of weird with like the whole talking about like how she used to sit outside his cabin and watch, mm-hmm. like watch him write and stuff like that. But it's nothing like to set off alarm bells in his head quite yet. I think he, yeah. I think he's a little weirded by her, weirded out by her, but I don't think he's like threatened by her yet. Yeah, but as soon as point. she reveals that, he's like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. And so like Annie ends up like leaving in her car, and then oh, every time he tries to get out of bed and he slams his legs down, I'm just like, Ugh. oh, because he's yeah. trying, he's trying to get himself down off the bed, and he ends up like just like letting his legs fall. Yeah, and he starts crawling. Which I'm just like, there were better ways of you being able to do that, but okay. (laughs) Do it the hard way, I guess. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so he's like, um, he's crawling towards the door and he he realizes that he can't get the door open because it's locked. It's like, as if Annie's that stupid. He just reveals that to you and he thinks she's just going to let you go free. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And, uh, And then it cuts back to Buster and he's on the phone I'm guessing with Virginia again. 
And when I saw him in this scene, I was like, Buster has some lovely sweaters and jackets. He does. He has a very <laughs> nice style for, for an older gentleman. <laughs> definitely. He's definitely dapper for sure. <laughs> I like it. But I think he's on the, not with Virginia, but he's on the phone. I'm pretty sure he's on the phone with uh, Paul's publicist again, because he's talking about mm-hmm. how like he's working with like the state police and the FBI and they're working very closely on trying to find him. And, um, and then Virginia tells him that there wasn't anything on Paul's credit card after checking out of the hotel. So that's kind of like another way of like, okay, so he obviously left the hotel, but didn't make it to his destination sometime between the hotel and now. So that kind of like gives them a little bit more of an easy timeline to go off of. Um, But then this is when Paul like wakes up and Annie's like standing over him. She's like, what are you doing on the floor, Paul? (laughs) She's back to her sweet self. Yep. She's immediately like back to being like nice again. And she like puts him back into bed. But this is a, this is the thing I like about it. And I mean, I feel like I'm getting on a tangent with her acting in this film. I feel like I'm becoming a broken record. But just the fact that she's she is sweet in the scene, but she's also very threatening without being threatening. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that is so like such fucking good acting. Because she she's sitting there talking about how She's like, I have a surprise for you. And he's like, oh, what is it? And she's like, but there's something you need to do for me first. And she's like, and I like how you kind of get like a little bit of a backstory with one line of dialogue here that you're kind of like, hmm, what is she talking oh, about? Yeah. She talks about how she's like, I know she, she's like, I know that my thinking can be a little muddy. And she's like, that's why I couldn't remember anything when she was, on, when I was on the witness stand in Denver, yeah. but she's like, God showed me the way. She, and she brings in like a grill that you would like grill steaks on outside. And she has like Paul's briefcase Mm -hmm. his like little peep briefcase and his novel on it and she takes the novel out she starts covering it in fuel and she's like um he's like she wants him to burn the novel basically because she's like I don't like the ending like I want to start redo (laughs) it I don't like it and he's like he tries to bluff like he tries to trick her because he's like she says you must rid the world of this filth there we go that's what she (laughs) said yep and he's like, it's not a really big deal. If you want me to do it, I'll do it because because my publicist has a lot of other copies. Like it's already being sent around right now. And she's like, she's like, oh, Paul. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I know that you don't, that you, um, what did she say? Because she says something about how he's superstitious. Yeah, and that so, you're superstitious. Like with your first novel, you only made one copy. And so ever since you've always done that. Which is something like, like that. She just like knows literally everything about him. Yeah. And um. And then he's like, well, I'll just keep it to myself. No one has to read it. And she's like, well, as long as this novel is around, um, it's going to like mess with your head. It's going to mess with your writing process, essentially. So she, and I like how she like subtly just like starts pouring the lighter fluid on his legs. (laughs) Yeah. And, And, but she's being really sweet about it the entire time. Like she's like, you know, and so he ends up like burning, like he ends up lighting the match and just throwing it in. And you can tell like, which at the same time, I'm like, is he really that upset about it? Because he didn't really seem like all that invested in writing it in the first place. True, so. but when you think of how long it takes to write a novel. <sighs> I know. I was sitting there the whole time. Like, anytime I watch this movie and I watch that scene, it gives me such anxiety because I think about the fact that, like, I don't write novels, but I do write scripts. And there have been a couple of times when I've had to completely redo a script because I don't have the... You and it's, it it's fucking awful yeah. it's literally like one of the worst feelings ever like you just feel like i don't want to do it again i really don't want to write all of this again it's a long process it takes a lot so i understand and that's this scene gives me anxiety um and she's like you're doing the right thing paul and she says heavens to betsy <laughs> heavens to betsy yeah and then i love how she's like oh no 
oh crap oh crap because like <laughs> she doesn't realize how big the flames are going to be when she like which i'm just like really lighter fluid fire i mean yeah. honestly you know what's going to happen maybe you shouldn't be doing this in your house and she's like trying to swat at it and so she finally <laughs> just goes and gets water and pours it over and uh that's when you hear like the helicopter flying overhead and it's where we fun. see the fakest helicopter ride i've ever seen in a movie ever <laughs> I Their know, $20 million dollar budget definitely did not go towards the helicopter filming. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was 1990, but I mean, still. I mean, they couldn't have like had an actual helicopter. Maybe that was just over the budget. I don't know, but yeah, it just seems to me like it wouldn't have been that difficult to actually film an actual helicopter, but that's just me. But yeah, Buster is in the helicopter and they're like looking out over the, the farm. And at this point, they're looking for the car. They're looking mm-hmm. for his Mustang. So they don't see his Mustang. So they just keep going. Cause he's like, oh yeah, that's the Wilkes farm. And that's, uh, you know, that's Annie's house and blah, 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 blah. And they just keep going about their merry way. And they don't even like think anything of it. And uh, that's when she gives Paul, that's when she gives Paul his other pill. She's like, here's the pill for the pain. And he waits for her to leave the room. Then he spits it out and like tear it. Like he's he stashing him. Mm-hmm. He's stashing him in the mattress. And uh I love how it cut like in this next shot it cuts to Annie and she's like watching some dating show on TV. Yeah, I used to watch that show when I was younger. The same show she's watching? Yeah. What was it called? Love Connection. Oh, okay. It's because in Alaska we didn't have a game show channel and whenever I would go on vacation, like there was a whole channel that was just the game show network. I was obsessed. So I'd when did sitting... Oh, what? sorry. No, no, no. Go no, go ahead. Oh Alaska. no, just I used to just love to watch game shows. So Gotcha. <laughs> when did that show come out? probably the 80s but i don't know so maybe that would be a better indication of when this movie took place well yeah that's true that that those episodes she was watching were not from like the 60s or something so yeah so yeah. I, maybe it could have been the 90s like it, it seems plausible that this could take place in the 90s but it i to me it felt like the vibe was more like 70s like early 80s mm-hmm. but, i, I mean it never says at any time so it's you know yeah i don't know i guess we'll never know <laughs> um but then like paul's sitting in his room and he's like eating dinner and you know he takes his fork and he ends up poking a hole in the side of the mattress so he can like hide the peel the pills in there mm-hmm. and uh in this next scene she's like she's she's wheeling him around a wheelchair she's like look what i found for you and she's like i got you an electric razor so now like, you can wow. shave now you can shave your own face <laughs> what and, a gift annie <laughs> i know <laughs> and um but you have to like you have to love like love the fact that she's so I don't know she's so beside herself with like the littlest things like she's like she's like a little girl she's like oh oh she is she's like a little girl a lot yeah um and then she's like and now for your surprise she's like I got you your own studio and it's literally just a fucking folding a desk table table. yeah Yeah. (laughs) a folding table and a typewriter and um she's like you're going to write your next novel. Uh, I think it's called Misery's Return. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. And she's like, and this time you'll make it right. And uh, you'll write it in, you'll write it in my honor for saving your life. <laughs> like, she's just so fucking crazy. And he's like, well, some people, <laughs> Paul's like, well, some people would think this is an oddball situation for writing a novel. And she's like, but well, look at that view. It'll help you write. It'll get your creative juices flowing. <laughs> And then this is when he notices that she like dropped a bobby pin on the ground mm-hmm. and uh she comes back and she's like i've got you the most expensive paper and a good deal on the typewriter for the fact that it's missing an n <laughs> <laughs> and she's like 
and he's like you know then he makes the joke about how um it's two of the letters this of his favorite nurse's name annie and she's like oh yeah, he's Paul. really sucking up yeah because <laughs> you can tell that he's he's got some idea brewing and one thing mm-hmm. that i really like is since they're the only two characters you you're finding everything out in real time because Paul doesn't have anybody to like share his ideas with you know what I mean like so you're not hearing anybody plan what they're gonna do you just actually see it happen I really like that it's like the show don't tell approach yeah and the way they do it is very subtle Mm -hmm. um and I actually I actually brought that up in like one part coming up here pretty soon um but uh yeah she's like did I do good she always asks that she's like did I yeah like that's why she's such like a little kid like she's always looking for approval yeah yeah which is sad because it's like and I wonder if I mean I mean it does go into a little bit of detail like with her backstory and stuff but like Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that I would have loved to know more about is like more of her backstory like maybe her childhood yeah like what kind of before she became a nurse like what led her to that if there was anything because it's like I feel like in this case it's like nature versus nurture in my Mm -hmm. opinion of like what contributed to her being the way she is now and I I I wonder if they explain and touch on that more in the novel since there's more room to you know do that yeah um I would really like to see this movie I don't know if I want to see a remake of this movie but like maybe I I wrote this Michael you did I wrote in my notes I said I am not one who would ever say oh, let's remake this movie. But I said, this movie could actually be, be redone. Longer. Oh, it redone. could be, yeah, yeah, it could be redone. Like, this is a movie that I feel like could get like more dark and twisted and redone with the same concept. We are the same person. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Like, this is no, this is no trickery, no tomfoolery. <laughs> Me and Kari have the same brain. No, because Just- really, I would never say, oh, let's remake this movie. I'm always like, leave it alone. Just let it be. But this is one I really think could be redone. Oh, for sure. And I feel like they could really, um, cause in this day and age, I feel like they're making movies that are like three hours long now, like Midsommar is almost three hours long. Hereditary was two and a half hours long. Like it's the new norm. I feel like to make movies that are over two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's like this movie just caps out, I think at an hour and 47 minutes, if you count the credits. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's longer than a normal movie, which, which being like an hour and a half. Um, but I feel like just even maybe an extra 20 minutes, delving into more of Annie's backstory and her psyche would have not because I feel like this movie is pretty perfect as it is but it's just like like I said I would just love to know a little more about her I just wanted it to be a little more dark and twisted I guess (laughs) yeah yeah I mean it it does get pretty pretty dark it does I just feel like if it were redone now they could add a lot of interesting things to it yeah yeah um but then she then he's like oh, I can't use this paper. And she's like, well, why not? And he's like, because it smudges. And she's like, but it's the most expensive kind. And he's like, come here, I'll show you. So he puts it in the typewriter and he like, I love how he just writes smudge mm-hmm. and then like puts his finger in it. And then she's like, oh, well, I guess it does smudge. And uh, he's just like, I'm sorry. Like, I just want you to be on on everything. Like, he's like, I want you to be a part of this process. And she's like, she's like, well, th- uh, <laughs> she's like, well, thank you for, acknowledging that but this is just another time when she just snaps into that like fucking crazy and she's like do you want anything else paul while i'm out do you want some writing slippers or you know maybe (laughs) and he's like no no just just the paper the paper's fine and she's like (laughs) 
it would be nice if you started showing me some appreciation around here, Mr. Man. (laughs) (laughs) And then she takes the paper that she had, like she lifts up the paper and oh, just fucking slams it down onto his broken legs. Oh. (sighs) God. It makes me cringe every time it has something to do with his legs. I'm like, oh, stop. I know. And then she ends up like getting in her car and driving off and this is when you get that whole like I really love this sequence because I feel like they really did a good job with the tension building in this scene especially when Annie starts getting back and they keep doing like the cutaways with between him and Annie and him and Annie but he ends up like picking up the bobby pin off the floor and he ends up picking the lock and um he tries to go to the front door first but it, obviously it's locked and he even says I like how he even says it he's like of course of course it's yeah locked. And then he goes into the living room and he spots the house phone sitting on the end table. And, but then when he di- tries to dial it, he like lifts it up and realizes the whole back of it is off. Yeah. Like it's not, it whole, doesn't even All work. the innards are gone. And he's like, you crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then it shows, meanwhile, it shows like Annie like leaving the store, which I feel like this kind of happens very quickly. I feel it like, does. I feel I mean, like Annie's cabin is kind of far off from town a little bit. Like, I don't yeah, feel I mean, like it does seem like it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but I guess we don't really know. Yeah. And the passage of time in the scene is a little confusing for me because I'm like, it feels like he just, just he literally just got out of the room already like, leaving the store. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is when he's like going through the living room and he almost knocks one of Annie's uh, figurines. It's like a little penguin off the, off the end table, but he like picks it up and uh He's navigating through the room. This is kind of when you get like a little bit of a backstory, not so much of a backstory quite yet, but he kind of sees things that you'll see later on. Mm-hmm. And he goes in there and sticks like if there's like a fucking shrine to him, like all of his books are like- Picture of him. Back like... And there's like a picture of him in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he sees like her little, she has like a book, like a red book that says, uh, I think memory lane or something on mm-hmm. it. And uh, he ends up going to like no, the hallway. I think this is the second time he comes out of the room. That he finds the book is it i think so because i don't think he no because he sees the book he doesn't he doesn't pick it up yet but oh, he, sees oh, oh. It. he sees it but he doesn't go through it yet yeah no he sees oh, okay. it and then he uh ends up going to like the hallway closet and he finds the pills that annie's been giving him so he takes like a couple of like packets of them and st- like shoves them in his pants mm-hmm. and uh he's like trying to escape through the kitchen and he like just can't make it through like his wheelchair gets stuck and so again he takes his legs and slams them down on the ground again. <laughs> so I'm just like, whoa, stop doing that. And like he ends up crawling to the door, but he can't he can't get it open. So he's like sitting there kind of contemplating what to do. And he sees like a butcher knife, like in like the knife block. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you hear Annie come back. And like, this is what I'm talking about with like the really good tension building. Cause this scene's kind of intense when you watch yeah, it. Now first. he starts really crawling. <laughs> yeah. He's like fucking hurrying and he's like lifting his legs up and he's getting through the door. And I like how it just like keeps cutting back and forth between her and him. Cause like he almost makes it to his room, but then he realizes he left the, the living room door open. So he has to like go back and do that. But at the same time, Annie's walking up the steps and then she drops like a stack of paper. So it's like all this just stuff is like mm-hmm. happening and they do a really, really good job with cutting back and forth cuz i feel like that would be really confusing to read on paper like how that scene would go. Yeah. But like the way they did it was really really well done. Um but uh <clears throat> yeah. So <laughs> she she comes back in the room and she's like, "Oh, Paul, you are dripping with perspiration." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I I'm in pain." He's like, "I've been you left me here." And like this is when he kind of has like his moment of like freak out. Yeah. 
where he starts to kind of play her her game back at her yeah because because he's like no i'm not okay you left me here and i'm in pain mm-hmm. and he's like i just want my pills please and she's like she's like i'm absolutely certain i'm popular because of my temper <laughs> which i'm like i don't know about that a little bit delusional but uh yeah so then she uh she gets him back into bed and he's like he's like complaining the whole time she's like you're such a baby <laughs> such a cry baby <laughs> and i love that she she um blows him a kiss and he catches it well first she gives him a notepad she's like just in case you come up with any ideas you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah <laughs> that's when she's like <laughs> and uh, he's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so weird um and then he spits the pill back out and like you know puts another one under the mattress and then this is when buster is in the helicopter again and he sees the he finally sees the car which i feel like i don't know has it snowed again between this time because i feel like he sees more of the car than what we saw when he was down there but then again some of the snow could have melted so that's probably just probably it hasn't snowed anymore and so it's been melting yeah that was my thought so then it's like once they find it it like cuts to like a a news report of like one of the cops like basically saying that they think he's dead and that he probably if he did crawl out of his car he's probably buried in the snow somewhere and they'll find him like the new thaw and uh but buster obviously being the observant proactive character that he is he notices that there's like marks like dents in the side of the doors if somebody forced the door open Mm -hmm. and uh virginia is like so you're not you're not buying what they're saying he's like i feel like there's more to it and uh that's when uh you see paul and he's like emptying all the pills like he's emptying the capsules into like a little paper pouch that he made out of annie's notepad that she gave him and uh then it cuts to him and he's like staring at the typewriter and he starts typing and like he's like fuck 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 (laughs) (laughs) on the typer and uh Annie, annie comes in and she's like i want you to completely start over for the part or except for the part where the gravedigger is named after me. I like that part. <laughs> yeah, she does not approve. Oh my God. And then this is the best Your favorite fucking scene. part of the whole movie. I've seen, like, I haven't seen this movie like a million times or anything, but I have seen this movie enough to know like this scene. And it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Like it does not get old for me, but she's like, she talks about how she's like when i was growing up i used to go to the theaters on saturday afternoon for those chapter plays and he's like they're cliff they're called cliffhangers she's like she's i know that mr man they also call them cereals i'm not stupid you know (laughs) (laughs) and then she's like my favorite one was rocket man and i remember when i went and watched it, it was the one where he was trapped in the car and it was the door was welded shut and he was about to drive off a cliff and 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 then uh like she's like and then he fell off the cliff and the car exploded and i was so excited you you better you bet your ass like she doesn't say you bet your ass but she's like you (laughs) bet that i was there the next week to watch the next one and it was it took off where the last one took off and she's like and he was stuck in the car and just as the car went over the cliff he jumped out of the car and everybody cheered but i didn't i didn't cheer (laughs) i stood right up and i said (laughs) that's not what happened last week have you all got amnesia (laughs) They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cock and duty car. <laughs> oh, that was fun. <laughs> so we so we learned that Annie really needs continuity. Yes. That was where we were going, but I really wanted to 
Oh, that's I started fine. going and I didn't want to stop. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and you're very great at impersonating her. Thank you. And I love Paul's face after she said it too. I think that's the funniest. Cause she's like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. And then he's like, well, they don't always cheat like that with the clip, with the chapter plays. Like he hurt, he's quick to correct himself again. And then she's like, but not with you. You never cheated anything. You were always so true to the, to the, uh, to the novels or whatever she says. <laughs> but yeah, I love that scene. That's my, <laughs> literally my favorite fucking scene of the entire movie. And that's like, I swear to God, like, I love that shot of Kathy Bates when she's right up at the camera and she's like, he didn't get out of the cock and duty car. Cause I swear <laughs> she looks cockeyed too. She does. Like that's how insane, like she got into her character with that. Like, it's so good. <laughs> Sorry, was there anything else you wanted to say with that scene before we move on? I feel like that might've no, been a little just... extra for the listeners, but I <laughs> really, No, just I... that she, she knows what Paul should write. Like she, she knows it needs to be, there needs to be continuity and she knows what it needs to be. And so Paul keeps writing. He's like, dear God, please let this be good enough for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she's like, um, well, and then she tar- starts asking if she can like start reading every chapter after he's done with the first. I-, I skipped that little detail. Sorry. So yeah, before that whole thing, she was asking him if if she could start reading every chapter. Oh, no, it so is right can... here, actually. Yeah, yeah it is so right she here. can approve them. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, he asks if he should continue and she's like oh you better (laughs) and oh my god this scene is so funny too because she's like spinning around the room and she's like the whole house will be filled with romance and she's like i gotta go put on my liberace records (laughs) (laughs) so fucking just so great like she really makes this movie when i love when she yells misery's alive (laughs) misery's alive she's like running through the house she's like misery's alive she's like oh paul And then um, he asks Annie, she's like, "Would you, will you have dinner with me tonight? And she's like, oh, Paul, it would be an honor. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so after the scene where Annie's like, oh, Paul, it would be an honor after he invites her to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's back to the sheriff station in Virginia is on the phone with something. I'm, I'm assuming the store clerk because he's like bitching and complaining about someone sitting outside his store and Buster comes in and he's like, well, if you have benches out there, people are going to sit on them. <laughs> and, well, before that, I love um, how Virginia's like, I don't know where he is. He's probably out having an affair. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh, there yeah, he, he is. He wants to know who you're having an affair with. <laughs> yeah. It's so like just this little like banter back and forth. It's really great. I love it. Um, and uh, <laughs> she I don't remember what she says exactly when he's leaving to walk out the door but he's like that's the kind of sarcasm that gives our marriage spice <laughs> I know they're so cute they are um and then this is when Annie and Paul are having dinner together and uh he proposes a toast to misery and uh they have like these big glasses of like red wine which ugh, when I was watching that I was like I could really go for a glass of red wine right now <laughs> I become such a little wine drinker and Annie looks lovely. Just kidding. She does. She actually looks broken, except she looks like she's dressed from like the 1600s. She's wearing like the a outfit, fucking, like, no, pilgrimage but yeah, outfit. the outfit, no, but like her hair and makeup. I was like, she actually looks nice. She looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she goes like drinking. He's like, oh, wait. He's like, do you have any candles? And she's like, oh, I'm sure I do somewhere. <laughs> and so she stands up and he, that's when he like slips the pills into her drink and, uh, 
she comes back in and she has like the candles and she she puts them down and she accidentally knocks them over and then she knocks the glass of wine over and it's like do you think it was accidental maybe not because i think at this point she's catching on no i don't think she's caught on yet because that's a little bit further because that's after the second time he gets out like i really couldn't decide if i thought that was an accident or if i thought like i just had a thought of like he could have done something to my drink it could go both ways the way i see it is that she did it on accident because she's kind of clumsy like she just seems like that kind of character like she doesn't seem like she's she's the most uh coordinated person in the world kind of like me so <laughs> you know we, we relate on that annie i i'm with you <laughs> um but yeah that's when she's like she's like can we just pretend that this whole thing never happened and you can just tell like how defeated he looks because he's like fuck and nobody has to play it off he's like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it like does this little montage of him like typing and the days and the nights are going by which i have a question of how long this movie takes place over the course of because it feels like it takes place like over a year like it feels like he's there so long yeah i have no concept of how long this was which is a little confusing to me i I wish they were a little more like i guess clear on i mean even in the end they could have just thrown a little line in there of like oh it was it's been this long you know somehow throw it in there or like do like a day 57 or a day i don't know yeah. something like i definitely that. didn't think that it was a year but no but it, it feels like it's a really long time because it's still the winter mm-hmm. yeah but I well mean, it, i know it's it's colorado so like the snow could last a really long time especially but, up in the mountains where they're at yeah. yeah well and then um it shows him like lifting up the typewriter and i like at first it almost makes it look like he's like gonna throw the typewriter because he's mm-hmm. like throwing a fit almost because his face looks like he's really angry when he's lifting it up but then you see him like li- still like lifting it and you're like mm-hmm. what the fuck is he doing like you're not really sure why he's doing that and then annie comes in and this like when you see like a whole different side of her that you've never seen before and um sadness it's kind of this is this scene is really sad to me <laughs> like i don't like it's hard for me to sympathize with her character because she is kind of crazy kind but of, at the yeah. same time like knowing the struggles like with mental health and stuff from a personal standpoint yeah. like, it's, like listening to her when she goes on this monologue about how you know she's like the rain sometimes gives me because he's like what's wrong annie and she's like it's the rain it gives me the blues and she's like when you first came here i loved the i loved the writer part of you and now i love everything about you and she's like she's like i know you don't love me i'm not the movie star like i'm not the movie star type of girl like i'm not what you're looking for you know and she's like and don't try to say that you are because i don't believe it and And she's like like, oh don't worry i wasn't going to (laughs) yeah he's like wasn't uh, didn't slip my mind but thanks for (laughs) thanks for reminding me and she's like the book's almost finished and your legs are getting better and you're going to want to leave and he's like, why would I want to leave? I like it here. And she's like, well, I appreciate that, Paul, but I don't, I don't believe it all. Like, she's like, I don't believe it. You and know, she insinuates, you know, like by saying that she insinuates that she's going to let him leave, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, your legs are getting better. So obviously you're going to be able to just get up and walk out, you know, but it's like, okay, we know she's got something up her sleeve. Yeah. 
Well, and I wonder if like this was like a genuine, a genuine moment, like a genuine moment where she like genuinely thought that she really was going to let him go. And then she finds out she, because maybe after this scene, that's when she finds out about the penguin, maybe. And then that's when she realizes. Yeah. Cause like, it's hard to say, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, cause like the hobbling scene takes place shortly after this movie or after this scene. So, yeah, it's just hard to say if like, in her more um, manic moments, how do I say this? Like in the moments when she is being calm and sweet, it's hard to know, is that real? Or she's kind of putting on a show and she's actually crazy all the time. Like, is she sometimes thinking one way and sometimes thinking another way? Or is she just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, and I think I think it could definitely be both because I definitely think she knows how to switch it on when she needs to especially mm-hmm. when you get into like more of the backstory with like her well, getting yeah, away definitely. with all the stuff that she's done in the past. It's yeah. like, she definitely knows what she's doing and she's very aware of like, she's definitely a sociopath for sure. Well, and that's why I don't, I don't really sympathize with her because I feel like in even those times where she's feeling sad or whatever, it's like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also kind of like, I see it as, you know, she does know what she's doing, but there still is a little bit of a human being in there. like there's there's like a sliver of you know sadness and loneliness you can definitely tell she's very lonely she doesn't have anybody out there with her um but you know you do do always side with um, (laughs) no I do not with some interesting characters but yeah Rachel Katina (laughs) that's who I was thinking of yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but I mean like I'm I'm not saying that I sympathize with her because obviously she's a, a psychopath but like I can I can relate to that scene in general the one where she's talking about like the depression yeah yeah I get you it's just really it's really just that scene that I kind of almost feel like a sliver of like you know self-pity for her because I'm like oh I can I can relate to that feeling lonely and Mm -hmm. you know being attached to somebody and like knowing that they're not going to be there forever it it is a hard and that they don't feel the same way oh yeah I'm going through that bit of a moment right now so but I digress. We won't talk about that. <laughs> um, and then this is when it gets like really dark because she ends up like pulling a gun out of her robe pocket. And she's like, I think about using it sometimes. And she's like, I think I better go now. I might put bullets in it. And then she just walks out and goes in and walks out into the pouring rain because it's like pouring rain at this point. And she just walks out and drives away in the car. And then this is when Paul ends up getting the knife in the kitchen while she's gone. Yeah, this is when he makes his second trip mm-hmm. into the house. Yeah. And in this next scene, <clears throat> this is like, and I really like the scene as well because it feels like a very insignificant scene when you watch it before you get to like the payoff of it. But Buster's in bed reading Misery's trial next to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he keeps like repeating this quote in his mind. And Virginia's like looking at him like, what are you doing? Like mm-hmm. she's clearly like, I don't know if she's giving him that look because she wants to get frisky with him and he's not paying any sort of, she wants to get frisky with him and he's not paying any sort of attention to her or if she's just getting annoyed with him saying the same thing over and over because he says it like five times. That same like, that same quote, I, I don't have it written down. I don't know if you did. Yeah, but, I didn't, I didn't write down the quote. Um, But yeah, that'll, that'll be uh, an important key point for later. Mm-hmm. but right now it just seems like one of those little like funny comical moments of the well, yeah like he's reading between. and she's just kind of like okay yeah that's nice honey like <laughs> yeah 
Um, and then this scene with Paul where he goes out and explores the house a second time, this is when you really get like a scope of Annie's character, backstory. like backstory and stuff. Yeah. Um, Cause he finds, he finds the, the book that like memory lane book that he saw earlier laid out on the table in the living room and he starts looking through all these newspaper clippings and you find out about how her husband like mysteriously died and a bunch of like patients at the hospital died and how she was mm -hmm, how she became like the the lead nurse or whatever in the intensive care unit Mm -hmm. and uh then when you see did you already say this that you see that one nurse was died yeah like was in a coma or something and didn't yeah, wake up. I, I mm-hmm. forgot what it said that some nurse died, and then on the next page, it's like, oh, and then Annie became lead nurse. So it's like, oh, did she kill this woman to take her job? And then oh, most this, definitely, and then, you know, she did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, like, the most disturbing thing is like when you see the newborns, like the the infant deaths at the hospital, and there's like a bunch of them, and then it's like showing her uh, at the trial, like she's at a trial and stuff, and she's behind bars, and then after that scene. So like, that's a whole lot of like exposition dump on you in that scene. So that's like, that's like a, a very heavy scene because mm-hmm. you get a lot in that. And I like how they do that. Like they, like you, like we said before, they do like the, sh- the, the show don't tell approach. And instead of doing it like through dialogue, they do it through like, you know, seeing things that you see like around the house, but you don't notice until later on. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I like that they do that. It's, it's, it's very engaging for the audience to follow along with the characters and like figure things out as the character is figuring them out and I really like that about this movie and you brought that up earlier too because you're like there's only two characters so it's very easy to to not feel like we're jumping ahead and like revealing yeah. getting like revealed have, stuff before yeah, the character does see when it happens exactly I mean you get little you know like say him stashing the pills it's like okay obviously we know something's coming but we don't know exactly how he's gonna do it yeah and uh, this next scene, this is like him practicing, like, because he's got the knife hidden in his, like, crutch, his, sling. his like, little sling, yeah, and he's, like, pulling it out. I don't know why that was funny out. to me. It was fun, because he's, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a sword, like, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, Annie ends up getting back to the house, and he's, like, laying in bed, and he can see, like, her feet from underneath the door, and, like, they stop at the door for a minute, but then they just keep walking, and, uh, he puts the knife inside the mattress, but then ooh, here comes the scene. Trigger <laughs> warning for people who are very disturbed by stuff like this because the scene is very, it's like not, I don't want to sound like a psychopath when I say this, but it's not super hard for me to watch. I mean, it's still cringy because like the first part when you see the, the, the foot, like it is. I just can't watch anything that involves like broken bones or anything see, like that. With so. you, it's bones. With me, it's veins. Yeah, and you've always known that about me. Like, I cannot watch a, a scene where a character is like slitting their wrists or like. I can't cutting. watch that either. I can't watch Ugh. people like getting, I don't know, just anything, shot, stabbed, like mm. injections, like, ugh. like that, like anything. Like that scene in uh, Thirteen Reasons Why when she commits suicide in the bathtub, it shows like the whole thing, and I was just like, Ugh. like yeah, I was sitting there I like, oh god, remember, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, it was the worst. I hated it. I hated every moment of it, but um. Yeah, so, like, he ends up waking up and pa- Annie's standing next to him and she just, like, before he can even react to anything, she just injects him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he ends up passing it, passing back out, but he ends up, like, kind, kind of coming to and you realize that he's, like, strapped to a bed. Yeah, he has, like, she, a goofy look on his face. Like, you can tell that like, he's, like, yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> very happy. standing over him. 
Yeah. And she's like, I know you've been out of your room. You've been out of your room several times. And she's like, my ceramic penguin is always facing due South. And he's like, (laughs) he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, and then she pulls the knife out and she's like, well, I found this. And then guess what else I found? I found your little key. And she's like, you just need more time to accept being here. And she's like, um, she's like, do you know what they did to the native workers that were, uh, that stole diamonds at the, at the mine? They call it hobbling. Like she got, like, she's like, they call it hobbling. And then she puts like a piece of fucking wood in between his feet, in between his legs. Mm-hmm. And she takes a sledgehammer and he's like begging her not to. And she's like, this is the only way, Paul. She, she's just so calm about it. And then she just takes a sledgehammer and slams his feet into the fucking board and they just bend. Ugh. So it's, I mean, like I said, it's not like, overly disturbing but it's just the idea of that would be absolutely horrifying yeah like seeing that happen to you and i love how she says like after she's done she's like god i love you (laughs) 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 oh man and uh so and then this next scene is when buster's inside the station and he sees annie like screaming at (laughs) she's just going fucking berserk she's like screaming at random people driving by a -a cock-a-doody (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and then she calls uh, them a poop yeah a poop <laughs> and then he ends up getting like a slip of paper and going to the library and uh he ends up like finding the articles written about annie and uh this is when that whole pay- that setup and payoff from a little bit earlier when he's laying in bed pays off because he finds a quote from one of the books uh in misery and it matches mm-hmm. the exact quote that uh he found on the paper Mm -hmm. which i'm like smart guy yeah he's a clever guy um and then he ends up going to the grocery store and he's like asking the clerk if they have any new paul sheldon books and he's like yeah well uh miss wilkes came in and took them all like she's like he she always buys as soon as like the first copy comes out she's she's the first in line to grab it and he's like did did she buy anything else unusual and he's like well paper is unusual like uh printer paper or like writing paper whatever he yeah. calls it typing paper mm-hmm. and this is when like i feel like the the wheels have fully clicked in buster's mind he's like okay yeah, he's like well if she's buying typing paper who's typing on it you know it's all clicking and even then like when he gets to the house you know um paul can see him from the window and annie injects him again and like drags him down into the basement and then as soon as he gets there she like just invites him into his into her house and she's like all nice and yeah she's like i'm gonna play this off Mm-hmm. and she, she has, has a very whole story yeah very convincing story of why she why she bought the paper and what she's doing well and i love when he first answers the door and he's like do you know anything <laughs> would you wouldn't happen to know anything about uh paul sheldon would you and she's like well he was born in <laughs> and he was the uh only his parents <laughs> yeah his parents were the, he's like oh, oh no i didn't mean that i meant like <laughs> I meant disappearance yeah and she's like oh I heard about that I'm his number one fan and she's like I was just so so shattered when I heard that he went missing and then like that's when she lets him in her house and he's like looking around and he finds like the shrine with all the books and she's like God told me to get ready to replace him and to write more stories as if I was as if I was becoming him and that's like when she comes with the, the whole ruse of like, yeah, I have this typewriter here because I'm typing, I'm trying to type out his novel and that's what the paper's for. And that's what the, the typewriter's for. And she's like, of course, I'm not as good as him. 
And like, I know the words, but I just can't, it's just not the same. Yeah. And she's like, do you want me to make you some hot cocoa? And he's like, she's like, I already have it made. And then you have that awkward moment where he's kind of standing outside. (laughs) I love that moment. I love it because they're standing there. And then he like goes to go back and visit there. Look again. It's so funny. (laughs) These, these, like I said before, these little moments in this film really like a lot of people would say they're insignificant, but I feel like in this film, they really add something, add add a little extra spice Mm -hmm. as Annie would say with her meatloaf, (laughs) a little extra pizzazz. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like Buster sneaks off and he's like looking up in the rooms upstairs and then Annie comes in the room behind him and you think that she's going to like get him. And then she just like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Buster's like about to leave the house. Like everything's all fine and good. And Paul ends up like, he ends up like leaving the house, but he hears like Paul, like knock down the grill downstairs. So he goes back inside and he hears Paul screaming and he opens up the basement door and Paul's like at the bottom of the stairs. And then Buster does not get the ending that he deserves. He just gets shot no. through the fucking chest with a shotgun. And that's the it's last. very sudden. Like if you're not expecting it, it's like, oh shit. That's the last you see of Buster. And that seems like really sad because I like his character. I'm like, God Oh, damn and what it. I was going to say earlier when you said to bring this point back is that it's so sad you don't even get to know, like you don't get to see Virginia finding out or any sort of redemption yeah. there. Which I'm kind of good. that Vir- I'm kind of glad that Virginia didn't find out because I can't imagine well, yeah, I don't really want to see her find out, but but there you know. always want to see like the end result of yeah, yeah, um, and that's when Annie's like, <laughs> Annie's like, I know we're meant to be together, and that now we're gonna die together, you know, and I have one bullet for you and one bullet for me, and she's like, I love you, Paul, and Paul's like, I love you too, and she like because she's about to go down the stairs because she has the needle in one hand and the gun in the other, and she's about to go down and like kill him right then and there and then he like ends up charming her again with his mm-hmm. very very smart charming abilities which i'm at, i'm like at this point why would annie believe anything he's saying i know i was thinking that too because like at this point like she knows that he's been trying to escape this whole time but i guess it all also goes back to like that like she, i feel like she feels like at some point he'll just accept it you know yeah, she's really looking for the approval yeah yeah um and uh he says like I think that we're meant to be together too it must be so that misery can live because he's like we need to finish the novel um and he's like it's almost finished and by dawn they'll be able to give misery back to the world (laughs) and then Annie goes back upstairs and he grabs like the lighter fluid that's on the floor in in his pants mm -hmm. and uh like Paul's typing it up and he Annie walks in he's like he's like can you bring me three things and she's like what is it and he's like you don't know and she's like I was just, I was just kidding with you. She's like, of course I do. She's like, you have a, you have a ritual. You always have, you always smoke a cigarette after finishing a book. You never, you stop smoking, but only after you finish a book. And she's like, and you only have just one and a match to light it. And then a glass of champagne, Tom Peregram or whatever she said. Tom Peregram. Peregram. Yeah. Peregram. Peregram. Yeah. She's like, Tom Peregram. Peregram. I can't say that fucking word. Have fun listening to me butcher that word, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to call it champagne from now on. Um, okay, that works. Yeah. Uh, and then he ends up calling Annie in again. 
And he's like, it's almost done. And he's like, will you go get the champagne? And she's like, yes. He's like a glass for you as well. <laughs> she's all googly eyed about it. I know. <laughs> she's like, oh, Paul. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, Annie ends up bringing a tray with like all of his stuff on it. And uh, she's like, she, again, she's like, did I do good? And he's like, he's like, perfect. Except for one thing. We need two glasses. And then Annie like rushes off to get the other glass. And he ends up covering like the whole lighter or the whole novel in lighter fluid. And she, as she walks back in, he's holding the match. And um, he's like, do you want to really know how it ends? Because it's right here. He's like, does misery end up getting with who? So-and-so. Ian or Winthorne or whatever the name is. Yeah. Does misery do this? And he's like, it's all right here. And he's like, but I'm doing what you do best. And then he just lights it on fire. And like, I will say like for an older movie, like I feel like scenes like this in older movies like that are kind of cheesy. This one is not cheesy. This one like is really violent actually. Cause, yeah, like, Cause like she's, she's like frantically trying to like bat out the flames and he takes the typewriter, which, you know, that's how you find out what he was lifting it up for. Mm-hmm. And he ends up just like slamming it down on her head. And uh, that, that's when her arm catches fire and she's like trying to put that out. <laughs> And this is the first time, this is the first and only time you ever hear her swear. Cause she's like, you lying cocksucker. I know. I read that too. I was like, oh my God, what profanity coming I from know. <laughs> what a, that's not ladylike. <laughs> this is, <laughs> that is not Mount Rose American teen princess <laughs> um, language. <laughs> Annie Wilkes. That's not Mount Rose American teen princess behavior. Get it together, lady. Get it together, Mr. Woman. Mrs. Man. <laughs> anyway um and they start like fighting and she's like pinning him up against the window and he like ends up like gouging her eyes and so she's like bleeding from her eyes and then he like takes his hand and just hits her with in the face like breaks her shoving all the ashy papers in her mouth (laughs) yeah (laughs) eat it eat eat it you psychotic bitch (laughs) it's so fucking great and then she ends up kicking him in the nuts so he like falls down and like she goes to attack him and I love how he uses his leg I was gonna say I love the way he trips her (laughs) he grabs his leg with both hands just swings it into her legs and she ends up falling and like the way she hits her head against the typewriter looks so real Mm -hmm. like it looks gnarly and you think she's done for but but of course they're never dead (laughs) this is a this is a horror movie after all they're never dead Mm -hmm. and so like Paul's um Paul's crawling like trying to crawl out to the stairs and she ends up like coming up behind him and she's dragging him back and he's trying to reach for like this uh it's like a figurine like a little I think it's like a bookend yeah probably a bookend and he's like trying to reach for and he grabs and he ends up like hitting her in the head with it a couple times and that that ends up doing her in and she looks beat the fuck up too oh yeah she falls right on top of him covered in blood that's what I'm talking about though like this scene is like really actually more violent that I remember it being the last time I watched it because yeah, it's, it's been a really long time since I watched this movie and I don't remember it being that brutal but I was like damn this actually looks like really fucking like it looks like they literally went on went at each other <laughs> actually literally caused physical harm to each other <laughs> um but uh yeah then it cuts to like Paul and he's back in New York City and he's kind of walking around with a cane and he's back at lunch with his publicist and He's like, I'm glad that the, you know, I hope that the critics like it. I hope that the readers like it. And he's like, but he's like, I can't help but feel like how my experience with Annie, Annie Wilkes, how she somehow helped me, you know, like write mm-hmm. this book or whatever. And she's like, would you ever consider writing like a nonfiction? A non-fiction. Yeah. About what happened in that house. And <laughs> it's like, really? 
Like you're going you to ask drudge the, up all those memories. You're going to ask the, the I know you're going to ask the victim of that to fucking how insensitive can you be? Read the room <laughs> lady. Um, and then as you like, as he's talking, like he sees a woman walking towards him and it it's like, it looks like Annie, like she's dressed yeah. up in like a, a waiter outfit and she's like pushing like a tray of food to him. And as she gets closer, you realize that it's not her. It was just in his head and it's some other lady. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> and he's like, that means a lot. <laughs> but in his head, he's like, yikes. Yeah. He's like, maybe I'm going to retire now. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be a writer anymore, but that is That's the it? end of misery folks. So that was a good Nothing movie. Too interesting. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie though. It is a good movie. I mean, I will say I have like very mixed feelings because I think it's a really great movie. And then especially her acting on top of it. Yeah. Do I think, cause it has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, is it that great of a movie? Like not that everything should be based off of that, but I'm like, it is good, but it's definitely not a movie I could just watch over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, The Shining, however, <laughs> don't even get me started on that and how sour I am that The Shining did not win but I'm just kidding <laughs> no I was happy for either it's one it's so long it is long um but yeah I don't know like I like this movie too but it, it's not it doesn't have as much rewatchability as The Shining does oh definitely like, I can watch The Shining anytime any day and never get bored of it like but with this movie like I have to watch it at certain times when I'm in the mood mm-hmm. so yeah, for that being said, like it's not my favorite movie ever made, but I, I think it's a really great film. I think it's it a is. well, especially for it being like adapted from a novel. I think they did a really good job. Like I said, I haven't read it, so maybe I'm not the one to <laughs> make that sort of comment. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like I think Stephen King really likes this movie. So if Stephen King likes it, and if it's close enough of an adapta- adaptation to his book, then I think they did a pretty damn good job. So, and one thing I really like, which I guess this could be said about The Shining as well, is just the setting of isolation because, and I like this in books too. I really like books that isolation is the issue because in a lot of horror movies, you're left being like, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they go do, go there? Why didn't, you know, and when things are set in isolation, it's like they don't have a choice. So you don't have all those questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so for me who doesn't love horror movies because I always think that a lot of things are stupid I'm like well he didn't have a choice his legs are broken it's snowy like he was stuck there yeah you know? and like I feel like with this movie like especially doing this podcast for as long as I've been doing it now like sometimes when you go into a movie with such an in-depth analysis instead of just like watching the movie you start to pick it apart a little bit mm-hmm. and there's not very many things that I can pick apart with this movie because I really feel like they tied up all their loose ends really well and they explain yeah. why they explained why everything in the movie works. Like, yeah. I don't feel like there's nothing that doesn't make sense except for maybe like, like one or two little nitpicky things that we brought up here and there, but they did a really good job covering their ground, like throughout yeah, the whole script. Like it's very consistently like some, like the attention to detail is really um, like impressive to me with this mm-hmm. film. Cause like with this film, I don't really find a whole lot to tear apart about it. So yeah. Like it, it all seems very realistic to me, but yeah. Um, 
Would you like to give your story rating out of 10 and your quality rating out of 10, Kari? I didn't prepare for this. Um, well, it was on the sheet, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I just didn't really think about it. The story rating, is that what you said? Yeah, and, you, and it's out of 10, so. I think I would give the story an 8 out of 10. Okay. I think I would give the quality... let's also go eight out of ten there okay what's your reasoning if you don't mind um I guess because I just it's not a movie where I'm like oh this is like 10 out of 10 quality like or 10 out of 10 movie like it Mm -hmm. it doesn't give me that super spark of like oh this is a favorite Mm -hmm. but but yet I, I also don't have any complaints so I feel like eight is a solid like it's obviously still really, really good. It's just not personally my favorite movie. Gotcha, gotcha. For me, I think I would give the story rating at least an 8.5. Like it doesn't get like a perfect 10 for me either because I feel like maybe, and I feel like we just talked about how this movie could be longer, but I feel like there's like some scenes that may go on for a little bit too long. There are, yeah that might kind of meander a little bit and kind of it's like okay let's get to it now like we don't need to show him like trying to unlock this door for 20 minutes like let's well, just... it's a lot of repetitive things because mm-hmm. since they're the only two characters only so much can happen it's like he's writing a story she reads it now he's writing a story again she reads it you know yeah which i understand it's just the two of them but sometimes it can just be like didn't I just watch this scene feels a little redundant <laughs> feels a little redundant yeah yeah what like the reason why it is does get such a high score for me still is just like for the fact that I just mentioned like it's a it's a really original concept like it was adapted really well for from the novel that it was you know taken from mm-hmm. and as I said before they did a really good job tying up all these loose ends is like when you watch it you're like okay that one makes sense but then they explain it later of, as to why it would make sense or they just do a really good job covering their their tracks and and the attention to detail, as I said, is really good. So for the story, it's an 8.5. For the quality, it's a 9 out of 10. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the acting is fantastic from everybody, yeah. specifically Kathy Bates, because she fucking steals the show in this movie. Every single scene she's in, I'm, like, I'm just like invested in her character because I just like, she's just nuts. And mm-hmm. um, like, I, I do like the way it's shot. It does have like more of like a little bit of like a, an early like obviously like an early 90s grainy feel yeah um and as I've said before in like past episode I'm I'm not like a huge fan of like super old timey looking movies like I don't it doesn't bother me too much but I don't know uh this movie has like a lot of really great like shots and the editing is really nice and yeah this the score is nice in some parts but like I don't overall like great yeah, yeah, I don't overall enjoy the score in this movie. And that's probably why I don't give it like a perfect 10. Cause like, it's just meh to me. Like there's score, like the shining score. Don't even get me started, girl. Yeah. <laughs> there's just certain scores in horror films that are really memorable. And I don't feel like this has one. I mean, I'm not saying that the score isn't nice. I'm just saying. I like, mean, I don't even remember what it sounds like. So. <laughs> yeah. Lots of horned instruments. That's all I remember. <laughs> um, But uh, would you like to tell us your favorite and least favorite scene my oh that's tough my least favorite 
There aren't a whole lot. Well, my least favorite scene is him getting hobbled because that was the only scene that I couldn't look at. Yeah. Or, well, it's hard because a lot of the times, like, least favorite scenes are, like, ones that are needed to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, even though I hated watching him get hobbled, it's like, oh, shit, you know? Or Buster getting shot. It's like, I didn't want him to get shot, but it obviously adds to the story. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with that because I don't really feel like there's anything else to complain about. <laughs> yeah, you just don't like like the, the the body horror aspect of the. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite scene. She has so many moments that it's hard to choose one. You know, I mean, I do love the yeah. cockadoodie car. <laughs> um, yeah. It might it might have to go to that. But she has so many. She does. I was going to say, I was going to kind of cheat and say all of her scenes <laughs> where she <laughs> freaks out because they're just fucking gold. And like I said, she's able to add something a little bit different to it each time. It doesn't feel like we're watching her have the same kind of like freak out over and over again. And that's why I think she did so fucking amazing. She brought so much diversity to this character. Yeah. And like, I don't see anyone else playing her. Like, I really don't. Um, so... Yeah, I'd have to say like my favorite scene is probably the cocky duty car one too, just because <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I watch it and it never gets old, nor do any of her other freak out moments get old because they're just funny to me. Um, and I don't know if they were intentionally supposed to be funny, but they're funny. <laughs> yeah, I also love when she says you murdered her. I, I don't know you why murdered that part. Her. And then he's like, no, we didn't. Who did that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, and I love when she's like, you're a dirty little lying birdie or whatever. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. Um, and then least favorite scene for me. <sighs> I don't know. I guess the scene where he's driving and he crashes just because I'm like, it drives me crazy how fast he's driving in the snow. And it's like, just fucking stop your car. Yeah. idiot like what are you doing like stop on the side of the road and wait for the snow to pass like dumbass like and the fact that he's driving around like a, alongside a very like high mountaintop where you don't know if you're gonna plunge off the side of a freaking cliff at any moment like well, yeah he can't even see what's on the side of the road like he could have been on an even worse cliff and he wouldn't have known it and the fact that he's been here multiple times, like he always talks about how he comes to Colorado to write a new novel. He's been here multiple times. He should know what the weather's like and he should know. And maybe that's why he's driving with such confidence is because, oh, I've done this million times before and nothing's ever happened. But it's like, girl, yeah. it's what they all say. And then it just happens to be that one time and then you're screwed. So yeah uh and then last but not least um do you agree with the imdb score kari because it did get a 7.8 out of 10 do you agree with that or do you think it should be lower or higher than it is um i mean i agree with it i'm kind of surprised it's not a little well no i'm not surprised because the imdb can i speak imdb (laughs) ratings are always lower than i expect them to be Mm-hmm. especially when you'll see a movie that has like a 90 plus percent on say Rotten Tomatoes and then you'll look at the IMDb rating and it's always like seven and yeah. it's like oh you think you with know. it averaging out it would be like a nine out of ten or something yeah and you never really see that um yeah but I think that's that's good 
and well, when I always say it on this podcast, for a horror film, it is good because well, yeah, that horror true. films that's just true. don't get the due credit that they deserve. Personally, in my opinion, I feel like like especially when it comes to like Oscar nominations, like I can name a few people off my head off on my hand that should have fucking won Oscars for their pro- Tony Collette in Hereditary, one hundred percent robbed. Um, uh, Florence Pugh in Midsommar robbed. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't even considered, which is just like. I don't want to get onto a big tangent about that, but that just like really drives me nuts how much like how little horror is represented in like the Oscars and the like the awards and stuff like that. I mean, they have one before, you know, Silence of the Lambs won awards, The Exorcist, all that stuff. But it's just like it's very far and in between. We haven't had a horror film win anything in a really long time, unless you count Parasite as a horror film, because that won all the all the awards in its category, which I was so happy about. As it should. A perfect movie. 10 out of 10. I think you and I need to talk about that movie. Yeah. I, if you if you do consider that a horror movie, for sure, because that is one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely so, love that movie. I cried the first time I watched it because <laughs> it was such a beautiful movie. Like, I'm getting emotional even thinking about it because I cried when he won that at the Oscars too because mm-hmm. I was just so happy to see a director like that wasn't the same old directors that we're used to seeing win stuff. Like he, he won against like fucking once upon a time in Hollywood. He won it. Mm-hmm. He won against all these other, I was just so proud to see that. Like, I was just like, yeah. oh. anyway, that was totally off subject. I'm just, I was just making a point that I just think it's really annoying that sometimes I just feel like these films, you know, yes, they're highly regarded in the horror genre and, you know, people regard them as classics, but I still feel like they just don't get the recognition they deserve sometimes. Yeah, they're still they're still not up there with the highly regarded movies that are not horror. It's just so it's unfair. This isn't fair. <laughs> he cheated us. <laughs> he didn't get the cock and duty Oscar. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, <laughs> off topic again. But um, all right, Kari, are you ready for the We Love Horror Trivia Game Show? Sure. Hello, horror guys and gals, and welcome to Wheel of Horror's Impossible Movie Trivia, hosted by our lead freak, Michael. Test your wit against the odds and see if you can make it out alive. Heed my warning, though. This trivia is not for the faint of heart. Proceed, if you dare. (laughs) Put your claws together, ghouls, and give it up for the host michael hello horror guys and gals and welcome back to the we love horror trivia game show we have a very special contestant today put your hands together for kari (laughs) kari are you ready to play we love horror trivia yeah All right, Kari, the rules are simple. There are 10 questions. They are multiple choice. If you get the question correct, you get a point on the board. If you do not get the question correct, you miss the point. All right, are you ready for question number one? Yep, a little nervous, but... Oh, you'll do fine. All right, question number one. What is the name of the lodge that Paul Sheldon stayed at? Is it A, the Overlook Lodge, B, Bear Creek Lodge, C, Crystal Lake Lodge, or D, Silver Creek Lodge? D. That is correct. It was D, Silver Creek Lodge. Good job. You get a point on the board. Question number two. 
Paul likes to have three items ready for him when he's finished with his book. A bottle of Dom Peregron. <laughs> Peregnon? A match and what brand of cigarette? Is it A, Paul Mall, B, Lucky Strike, C, Camel, D, Chesterfield? Wow, I honestly have no clue, to be honest with you. <laughs> Just take a guess. Um, read them to me again. Okay, so A is Paul Mall, B is Lucky Strike, C is Camel, and D is Chesterfield. Why do I not remember this at all? Uh, let's go with uh, B. Lucky Strike? Yep. Ooh, you feeling lucky? No. Because <laughs> it was B. You're correct. Oh. Oh, yeah. I knew that, actually. All along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is just a ruse. She knew it. All right. Question number three. At the lodge, Paul finishes his book and signs the bottom of the last page, the end. What is the title of the book he just finished? Is it A, Life Without Misery, B, Misery's Trial, C, Misery's Forgotten, or D, Untitled? Untitled. That is correct. It was Untitled. All right. Question number four. What is the name of the pills that Annie Wilkes gives to Bill for the pain? Is it A, Tylenol, B, Advil, C, Novril or D morphine. Where'd you get these questions? I got them off a quiz online. I didn't, I didn't write the questions, girl. I read it in a magazine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> where, where did you hear that? That's not, <laughs> I read it in a magazine. You know, um, he started his very first lemonade stand. No, he, no, that's not. <laughs> sorry, okay. I feel like I was truly paying attention to every detail of this movie. Because you knew the trivia was coming? No, just so oh. I could take notes. So oh, okay. it's like the fact that all these little things that I really wasn't paying attention to. Let's go with C. That is correct. It's C. Woo! Damn, girl, you're good at guessing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question number five. Which direction is the ceramic penguin always facing in Annie's living room? Is it A, due east, B, due north, C, due south, or D, due west? that is correct it is <laughs> due south all right question number six what object does paul pick the lock to his door with is it a a fork b a toothpick c a knife or d a bobby pin d a bobby pin correct <laughs> all right question number seven what type of paper does paul sheldon prefer not to type on because it smudges is it a Carassable bond, B, high-grade copy paper, C, white long grain Mimeo, or D, laser printer paper. <laughs> and there is one significant shot where it actually shows like what kind of paper it is. Like it does like oh, a shot. Well, I'll just pretend that I, that I wasn't looking in that scene because I oh, okay. don't remember, uh, but I'm going to go with D. I'm no, sorry, that. that is incorrect. Yeah, it was A. That. And that it was, was my second guess. Nice try. Hey, you're going, you're still going seven for 10. So you're doing good. All right. Who played Paul's publicist? Was it A, Francis Sternhagen, B, Lauren Bacall, C, Mary Steenbergen, or D, Lauren Holly? Um, Lauren Bacall. That is correct. You knew that, didn't you? I did know that. <laughs> Very nice. Number nine, question number nine. What is Annie's secret ingredient in her meatloaf that adds some zip? Is it A, deviled ham, B, fresh tomatoes, C, spam, or D, dillweed? Fresh tomatoes. 
That is correct. It is B. I actually got that question wrong when I took this quiz on my own. I said spam. Yeah. Just because I was like, well, she did talk, talk about spam and I don't remember if it was a trick question <laughs> to me. So I answered it wrong the first time. Um, but no, it is fresh tomatoes. All right. Final question. Are you ready, Kari? I'm ready. What is the title of Annie's scrapbook? Is it A, Memories, B, Memories of Mine, C, Life's Moments, or D, Memory Lane? It has memory in it. Mm-hmm. It does have memory in it. Um, mm, was it Memory Lane? Mm, you might have got me with this one. Oh, you got me. I think you got me with that <laughs> one. <laughs> Memories of mine. That's incorrect. It was D, memory lane. <laughs> hey, you got I eight out of 10. You got eight out of 10. So that's impressive. No, that's not 10 out of 10. Sorry. Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe next time. I'm I'm happy, however, that I was able to stump you because you're very clever. So I was like, she'd probably get, pff, she's going to ace this like nobody's business. <laughs> like this is going to be like hopscotch on the playground for her. <laughs> um, but yeah. Thank you, Kari, so much for joining the We Love Horror Trivia Game Show, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you, Kari, for participating in the We Love Horror Trivia Game Show. It was a lot of fun. Of course. Yeah, do you want to plug in your Instagram page one more time for the listeners so that they can... Which one? Um, both of them, if you want to. Uh, but I'm sure there's probably listeners out there that like to read. So if there's any, you know, true crime, any um, horror novels that you can recommend, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just shout them out or just, you know. Um, so our book... Ex- <laughs> Clark Clowney. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our book... Ex- Why can't I... <laughs> Clark County School <laughs> Clark County School Sorry, okay, I'll stop okay. Our book ex- Oh my god, why do I want to say Instagram? Girl, I feel your pain because I do this <laughs> This is why I don't have a YouTube channel Just just breathe, you're good, you got it Don't get flustered Our book Instagram is Car and Char's Book Club And my personal Instagram is K-A-R-E-Y-E and that is not how you spell my name, even though people think it is. And it really drives me crazy. <laughs> or they call you Carrie, which I don't know what drives you crazy more that they, uh, they spell wolf. your name wrong or they say your name wrong. Cause it's like equally annoying. So yeah. Um, thank you again for coming on the show, Kari. I love of you course. so I much. You, you are my best friend in the whole wide world. <laughs> and yeah, I love you. Um, and then real quick, before we hop off here, I need to give special thanks to my top tier patrons on Patreon. So Josh from Horror Movie Crew, um, Anthony, <laughs> fuck, Anthony Silva from Porcelain Peak, Heather from Wednesday Wine and Horror, uh, Mark from a podcast on Elm Street, and I just got a new patron today. Like, I woke up to this email t- today and it made me really happy. Like, I was like, oh, I have a new patron. Um so my good friend Alexander Jacoby on Instagram, he's under uh, Where's the Horror section on Instagram if you guys want to check his page out. He just became a top tier patron of the Wheel of Horror podcast today. So thank you all so freaking much. Um, also, Anthony and Aunt Alexander are both We Love Horror Show producers now. They have a producer's credit because that's what you get when you get like the top tier. So 
very exciting. Kari looks so excited with all this stuff right now. I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to um, give special thanks to all my patrons, all the people that support this podcast. Um, thank you again, Kari, for coming on. And this was such a fun episode. I think this is going to turn out to be one of my favorite episodes <laughs> that I've ever done. So just so much fun. I, I need to get you on again very, very soon. So yeah, it was really fun. And I'm very proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I'm proud of you too. <laughs> I feel like we both, I feel like we're both just doing things in our lives. I do. Like, I feel like we're, I feel like we're going places. We're going to go places, Kari. You say so. Yeah, I got dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about leaving Mount Rose and, you know, becoming a big time reporter like Diane Sawyer. I mean, guys leave Mount Rose all the time for hockey scholarships or prison. prison. If there's any uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous fans out there, uh, that's what we're quoting. Just just let us know and we will do an episode. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Murder, mystery, comedy, all wrapped in one. Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Who's the other girl that's in it? She's really pretty. Denise Richards. Denise Denise Richards in her fucking prime, dude. She's gorgeous in that movie. She's gorgeous. Amy Adams, a young Amy Adams. Holy. Brittany Murphy, the queen. I always forget that Amy Adams is in that movie. That's insane to me. Because she doesn't even look like the same person now. <laughs> um, the woman from Austin Powers that I always forget her name, but I love her. I told you I'd move the car if a cripple came. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to get out of here, you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we will see you next week on the We Love Horror podcast. Bye. Bye.